Yeah, we could get right into it. So how long, when did you, you've had the, you had the dev kit for Apple TV? Yes. Um, and what's the story? I mean, I guess it doesn't matter. I'm curious. I did not get the dev kit. I guess I should have signed up for it. I just assumed that I would get a review, <laughs> review unit. Uh, but they didn't. I, I, I didn't get one till yesterday. So we're recording here on Friday, October 30. I got mine from Apple yesterday on the 29th. Uh, and I, I don't think I've touched one. Yeah, no, I haven't since the event last month. Yeah, you got kind of a host bid on that because uh, a lot of press outlets just signed up and got one. Yeah. Well, I, is that what happened? No, but I think a lot of them did get review units too. And I just, you know, I, it seems haphazard. doesn't seem like there was any rhyme or reason to it. Like who got oh, one and who didn't. Like TechCrunch didn't get it until yesterday either. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Huh. Oh, I don't think, I don't know if Renee got one. No, he didn't. Serenity did. Oh, really? But, well, I don't, she had access to one. I know that. Ah. Uh, yeah, it's such a weird thing. Like, it's meta. It's so inside baseball, but I guess that's what the point of podcast is. Um, yeah. yeah. Is that it was the least secretive device Give once it was unveiled, you know, so there's it was unveiled on stage in September. I think they did a pretty good job keeping it under wraps. Everybody knew that a new Apple TV was coming, but nobody had screenshots or anything. Um, nobody knew what the remote was exactly like. Um, no, I'd heard stuff, but nothing. I mean, I, I know people who'd seen them, but nobody right. even told me what they look like. So. Right, but then they started <laughs> taking the the developer uh, requests like the next day, and some people started getting them like a week later. And I guess you were under an NDA, you know, based on your ADC account, and that you weren't supposed to write about it. But it certainly wasn't a well kept secret. Uh, there was an additional NDA that came with the dev kit, like a new NDA. Like yeah, that told you not to. You're not allowed to do anything with this dev kit. Right. You're not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> my favorite it just never works. Well, my the best the best example of that would be the iFixit guys who signed yeah. up for the dev kit, agreed to an NDA, and then as soon as it came, they t- took it apart and published their <laughs> their take apart. I was pretty frustrated, uh, actually, because. Uh, dev kits are a very rare thing for Apple to do, right? And it's like we don't want to, uh, we don't want to piss them off and make them not do it. Like I think it's great that they did this. Yeah, I think it's great too. Uh, I think it was a mistake to sell them for a buck. Uh, it should have been like double, triple the price of what the actual shipping unit was going to be. Yeah, why? Why do you think they did it that way? Well, I think they wanted everybody to get as, you know, to, as frictionless as possible, uh-huh. and encourage people to work on their awesome platform. I'd probably have to charge a dollar for some hmm. reason, you know? Um, yeah, like like maybe in a way that like Steve Jobs had to take a $1 salary. It, it, I think there was some kind of legal sure requirement. Kind of, yeah, accounting. Or, like you have to pay your CEO or something like that. I, I swear that it was something like that. Yeah. And maybe it was something like that too where they have to sell it for some amount of money. Just to uh, account for it in some way other than... Yeah. Anyway, so... Welcome to the talk show, America's favorite uh, accounting Accountants. <laughs> talk show. Yeah. Yeah. We're sponsored this week by Salesforce. No. So anyway, though, they had uh-huh. these out there. Lots of journalists and writers bought them, even though they weren't going to develop apps on them. And I guess they mostly stuck to the NDA, but it wasn't like it was tough to get. But then um, 
the reviews all there was clearly like some some number of people just like with every other apple device iphones and ipads you know that that they were they got pre-release access to them probably probably about a week before and then the the, the embargo was was clearly yeah. i think it was six <laughs> six o'clock eastern on yeah. wednesday because all of a sudden everybody uh, had review up right and i was actually out at uh having dinner with uh our friend uh whiskus and uh uh brady Harron, you know the guy from uh oh cool uh yeah. hello internet he was he's over here in the states uh and we were out and it was like all of a sudden we were talking about the fact that there were no reviews of the apple tv and then uh we were at dinner and then all of a sudden it was like all of a sudden there were like 15 reviews of apple tv um yeah. But it was weird, like like you know, uh, iMore wasn't on that list. TechCrunch wasn't on the list. It's very strange. And, I, you know, I mean, Mashable was, which makes sense. I think yeah, there's like a lot of media stuff that they cover, and Christina's pretty. She's uh, been kicking ass recently. Yeah, I just actually just before we started recording, I actually just linked to her review. It's the only one I've I've read completely and and just linked to it because I thought she nailed it. I was like, boy, that's every single thing there is about it. Yeah, yeah, and she, she's been getting good interviews and stuff recently too. So. Yeah, good for her. Yeah, because well, who'd she just interview? Johnny Ive. Uh, Johnny Ive, and I'm gonna blank on it now. Yeah. I don't know. Should have been a note. Right. Well, and she did, and she got to. She she's the one who got access to uh, when Tim Cook did the meet and greet with the the teenagers at WWDC. Yeah, she went and covered that, and I think that was like an impromptu. Uh, conversation really yeah i think it might have been but i think it was you know it was clear you know right place right time you know yeah yeah yeah, exactly that's good reporting yeah um so i know you've only had it a day i've had mine uh longer i guess i can talk about that but whatever i have (laughs) um (laughs) Well, I'm, I am actually mad because if they don't do another dev kit, I'm going to be sad. Oh, here's my question for you. This is my question for you. My question I want before we go on to it is what was your experience like? Have you been able to upgrade from the the betas of the OS to the GM? Yeah. Yeah, it's dead easy. Right, did you, you, uh, but it didn't require using the diagnostic port or it did? Uh, it does. If you Where by it, diagnostic yeah, port, I mean the, the USB port, right? right. But they yeah. even tell you in the instructions, they're like, USB-C port, and then they're like, this is only used for diagnostics. Yeah, well, you know, flashing an OS onto your thing is counts, I guess. Uh, you just go to the website, you download the package, like the OS package, and then you uh, connect iTunes to it, and it shows up in iTunes. Uh, and then you just, uh, what is it, like option, click, restore, and use the, use the package you've got. and then you're Right, done. so it's, it's exactly like doing it with a phone. It's, yeah, it's identical. So yeah. you connect it to your Mac with uh, USB, like when yeah. you connect a phone, and then you can just do it from the iTunes Yeah, app and it's a USB-C, which is like one of the first times I've been super thankful that I've owned a MacBook, because <laughs> I'm like, oh, look, it just works. I don't have to worry about anything. Yeah, so I guess if your computer was a MacBook, the new the new MacBook one port, thing you would have to have a usb-c to usb-c cable yeah that's what i did right oh really yeah 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 Yeah. so i've got a i mean when i bought the macbook i bought like two little adapter things like one for usb-c and one that does uh turns usb-c into Mm. hdmi out and Mm. has a usb port 
So when did the App Store go live? Like how? So the app st- yesterday. Okay. Uh, I couldn't tell you what time, but I think about noon. Because what we had to do was, so we had a GM candidate for the past few days. Uh, but then to get the App Store, and this was kind of confusing, we needed to re-download the OS and flash that back onto the uh, onto the device for the App Store to show up. Huh. But if I'm not mistaken, I think the version numbers are identical. Huh. I wonder what... So they flipped one switch, or I don't know exactly what they did, but whatever. Like right now, mine is as if I just got it out of a box from a store. Huh. So it's exactly the same. As mine setting is, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So first run experience. Pretty cool the way that they do the, um, if you want to, just unlock your iPhone and get it near the Apple TV. That is the way computers should work. Like, all of them. It's... It, like, if you can do it with Macs, do it with Macs. Just do it. And it doesn't yeah. transfer everything, but it certainly gets you most of the way there. And just getting it so that it's on your Wi-Fi is huge. It's a godsend. Right. Yeah. Like you just wave your, it's basically magic. And I know that's way overused when you talk about Apple stuff, but you take your phone, you put it close to your box. And the older ones did this too, but it's just cool to have a new thing. Um, and it would just say, yeah, connecting to the network and it logs you in. It's got all the passwords. Uh, it's got your iCloud information. So your, uh, your, what are we calling it now? Not Apple ID. Your Apple ID. Thank right. you. Yeah. All your Apple ID stuff is over. So you're, you've got all the game center stuff set up. You've got your, uh, the photos, all of that is just done. Yeah. And it's amazing because passwords are a pain in the ass to type anyway, but let alone on like a crazy keyboard thing. Yeah. Um, I did have to enter my Apple ID password though one time to enable purchases. Ooh, yeah, I think I did that too. And I I can see yeah. why. It's sort of like I think the same logic uh the way that like when you restart your iPhone you have to enter the password once mm-hmm. before you can go back to just using Touch ID. Yeah, I think the notion is that you can unlock the device, but if you're going to do any real like monetary damage, it, it wants to make sure that you are who you say you are. Yeah, I kind of wish that, and I wonder, you know, and I, I, yeah, it's like they, before you can do, yeah, exactly what you said, monetary damage, <laughs> you've really got to enter your password. I guess I can see the logic behind that, but entering a password on the goddamn TV is so, it's still such a pain in the ass. I still am tempted to suggest that maybe you should be able to use Touch ID on your phone, but there's, you know, I, I guess, yeah, you know what I mean? Like if it's somehow... Yeah. If somehow it would it would send you a, an alert, like the way that like with our family sharing, if Jonas wants to get an app, I, me and Amy get these alerts that say, "Hey, Jonas, who's a member of you know the a kid in your family sharing plan, wants to get this app, whatever the name of the app is. Is this okay?" And um, actually, I guess I, I think they actually stopped letting you use Touch ID for that, though. Now that I think about it, I think now you have to enter your password on the phone. Mm. Hmm. I guess maybe what I wish you could do with the Apple TV, and maybe you can, is maybe somehow use the. Maybe you can. Can you still use the old remote app to enter passwords? I think the old remote app is bust. Yeah. Uh, 
the old remote, physical remote works, which is interesting. Oh, does it? The IR one? Yeah. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, I did it by accident, and it totally worked. I'm like, oh, <laughs> look at that. <laughs> Until you start tapping and clicking and dragging your finger around. Exactly. Yeah. That's actually funny. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know about that. So this, after you enter that password, then they ask you, do you want to use this password? Uh, do you want me to prompt you for the password? Never. I don't know what it is. Like it's after, like, after I think after it's an no, hour or something. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like you, your your three options are: don't ever ask me for my password again. Just let me buy stuff. Uh, yeah. Which I don't know about you, but that's what I did. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I do too, and I'm lucky. I can. Yeah. I definitely understand why some parents wouldn't be able to do that. But Jonas is super trustworthy with stuff like that. Okay. And even if he decided to risk it, he's only going to get away with it once. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, but it's so much more convenient and I'm not worried, you know I mean? Like unlike a device that's in your pocket that you might leave in a cab or something like that, your Apple yeah. TV is not leaving your home. It's in your living room. Like, right. you know, it's, it's a safe place. Right. If somebody who I don't trust is operating my Apple TV, I've got bigger problems than, <laughs> than if they're going to like buy movies that I don't want. Wouldn't that be like the ultimate dick move for like a burglar? Like before he <laughs> before he disconnects your Apple TV to rip it off and steal your TV set, before he takes it, he just quick logs in and buys some shitty movies. Like oh, subscribes yeah. you to like all the Adam Sandler movies or something like that. <laughs> and then leaves the house. So not only did you get burgled, you you got stuck footing a bill for a bunch of movies you didn't like. That actually sounds like a scene out of an Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> I think we're we're onto something here. <laughs> uh, buys you a bunch of albums on Apple or Apple Music that you don't want to. Signs you up to Apple Music. Yeah. Zing. Um, um. So anyway, first run experience. Yeah. I don't want to. I I feel like I've already I've already uh, complained too much. Like I I still want it to be better, oh, yeah. but it's so good. It is such a better experience than any other first run experience i've ever seen so i i've done it uh manually quite a bit because earlier betas didn't have uh well i think they had it but they told you it was pretty flaky so i didn't use it and man it's a pain in the ass when you <laughs> sorry i shouldn't say it's a pain in the ass comparatively it's night and day between like lab laboriously like entering in all your email addresses and like yeah and you got to do it for a few different things. It's a huge pain in the ass. Your Wi-Fi network, that sucks. Uh, this was amazing. It was the first time I tried it yesterday. It was the first time I tried the Bluetooth uh, magic, and it yeah. was great. Yeah. And I know, you know, uh, we know some of the people who work on Apple TV and have for a while, and I know that a couple of them have been, you know, personally take it personally that they want this experience to be better from for years because i know one of the features the old apple tv had i actually don't know if the new one still supports it but remember how the old apple tv would let you pair a bluetooth keyboard yeah uh and then you could use that to enter passwords and stuff like that the first time just to if you wanted to and i i thought that's a great idea and i'm so glad that they did it but i never i've never once actually done it because it I'm always seems to me like if i'm already at the couch and i've got the stupid remote in my hand uh where by stupid remote i mean the old remote and to in my mind the pain of just sitting there and pecking away at the on-screen keyboard to enter my password as much as it annoys me it doesn't annoy me enough to go up to my office get a bluetooth keyboard come downstairs pair it and 
goes yeah. over that. Even if you had one lying around in your living room, it, right. I'd find it annoying. Right. Half the time when I watch TV, it's because I want to stop doing my work, which involves typing on a keyboard. You know what I mean? Like, right. I just don't want a keyboard anywhere near me. I, I will hunt and peck with that stupid control if I have to. But I just, yeah. I never really wanted to pair any Bluetooth stuff up to it. It's cool that you could do it, though. Yeah. Um, some of the stuff that works automatically really impressed me. Um, like, without me having to configure it at all, the volume up, volume down buttons automatically controlled the volume on my TV. Yeah. Interestingly, it does it on your TV, too. Not, uh, You know what I mean? Rather than increasing and decreasing the volume coming out of the back of your set-top box, out of the Apple TV, it's doing it like you see your TV UI come up when it does it. Exactly, right. Uh, and I think uh, that those IR things have like a standard set of actions that that most equipment takes. Yeah. So I think that that's how it figured it out. Um, but it was a pleasant surprise. Because, man, I used to hate... I mean, we're complaining about very first world problems here, but right. I used to hate having to find the other remote control just to lower the volume. Yeah. So for me, it actually... I was very impressed that it worked, and it does exactly what you said. It shows my... Um, pioneer uh ui you know and so you get this all of a sudden you have this it is ugly and at the it's ugly, but... at the event it was so funny at the apple event in september when they were showing this whenever anybody would i forget what brand of tvs they were using um they were of course all identical but whatever brand it was and maybe it was panasonic but it doesn't matter it was somebody like panasonic when you'd hit volume up and volume down and you'd see the on-screen interface for the volume the Apple, the the product marketing people who was, who was ever there supervising the demo would always and every time say, that's not our UI. <laughs> that's the TV set. So they'd try to spin it. It was like this. They, and of course, it's just like always with the Apple product marketing marketing people. It was a rehearsed line. So I'm, I'm not quoting it exactly right. But it, it, it amused me because it was perfectly calibrated to do two things. One, it was setting it up as, hey, this is a cool feature. It it talks the our remote will talk to your TV, and then two, it was excusing the jankiness of the on-screen graphics. Like yeah. this is don't don't it's not our fault. Do not think that we designed this little crazy blue bar that shows you what the volume is at right now. Yeah, that's cool. It's a good feature. Also, it makes a lot of sense to do it that way because um, there's no synchronization problem then between what people are expecting from their television remote control and what the volume of the Apple TV devices. Mm -hmm. um, like if you hit mute on your old TV remote, it's going to mute. Like it's, it's, I think it's just good to have one less level of confusion about what the output is actually yeah. going to be. So, so for me, it actually, I was impressed that that worked, but it actually is useless because I don't use the volume from my TV. I have the, this little, box from Bose that powers the speakers on our TV. And so we have to use this Bose remote control. And it, the Bose thing is a little, it's like a receiver. I guess you'd call it a receiver, but it's its even smaller than the Apple TV. It's just this tiny little black box that's like hmm. a little puck um, that the speakers are plugged into. Uh, and so... Could you, could you make the TV learn the remote? Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, I, yeah. So you go to Apple, t in, in the Apple TV, you say it's, you go to remotes and it's like, do you want to control a different device? And it, the setup for this was, I was like, oh, what am I, I figured that they wouldn't do, remember the old way? It would be like, what brand do you have? And if it's like yeah. Bose or like, try these codes 857, <laughs> 863, and 877. 
because those are the ones that Bose typically uses. And if those don't work, uh, well, maybe try you know this one. I knew it wouldn't be like that, but it was so easy. So that what they said is they say, um, if you want to control the volume on a different device using your Apple TV, okay, go get your, it says like, go get your other remote from the manufacturer of your other device and press down and hold volume up until this line is filled. And so you just press and hold volume up on our other remote and it takes about two or three seconds and they're like a progress car bar fills up. It's sort of like, like the, it, it's similar to the equivalent of when you're training Touch ID mm. with a new fingerprint. Yeah. And then they're like, okay, got it. Now do volume down and just keep holding volume down until we tell you to stop. And you know, it takes about two or three seconds and then you're done. That's it. And then all of a sudden your Apple TV, my Apple TV remote, instead of controlling my TV's remote, controls my receiver's volume. That's great. Yeah, it really is great. What a piece of cake because these things are such a hassle usually so yeah and that's one of those things that i really do uh, i'd love to hear the war stories from the team that did it because you just know that getting that to work <laughs> on uh, you know 30 or 40 different brands of consumer electronic devices you just know that it's as screwy as like when you talk to people who work on email clients about you know the different imap servers out there and stuff like that you just know it's probably even worse yeah it's a good way of doing it though it's cool anyway so that's awesome so Within minutes, you had your whole setup working. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I had to do, and it makes sense, and I only noticed it when I first started playing a couple of games. Um, you remember the game Cannibal? Yeah. The Endless Runner. So that's there. And it it plays really good on TV. Um, yeah, it's great. But the one thing I noticed was it, it was the first game, and the only one so far that I noticed, that it, it goes corner to corner. So like the score was cut off by overscan. Hmm. And I, Jonas was with me and it was so, I, and I, it's like, it, and so I went into settings. I thought maybe I could fix it on Apple TV. And then I realized like the settings, there, there is a section where it talks about like something with overscan, but then the settings explains you've got to change it on your TV. Yeah. It's a TV setting that they crop around the edges. There. Right. And that made all the sense in the world. Of course the Apple TV isn't sending cropped image right a cropped image to the tv it's the tv that's doing it and then it's like oh god now i'm stuck going into the goofy pioneer image uh or or, you know the the goofy little computer that's built into my tv set from pioneer and it's horrible it's so confusing It, it, it and but then jonas was with me and thankfully reminded me that we had solved the exact same problem with uh the ps4 when we got it for Christmas last year. Oh, cool. It was into like PC mode or something. Exactly. That's exactly it. You put it in PC mode, which is sort of, I, I understand it, but it's like, I, there's no way a normal person would understand it. I understand what they're saying. though. No. They're saying this is, Unfiltered kind this of is not an analog video device. This is a computer that is sending a pixel per pixel pr- precise image to what it, it considers more like a, a PC monitor than, than a TV. Yeah. So once we did that, then it was, it was perfect. That's cool. Did the colors change at all? Uh, no, not by doing that. Yeah. No, it really it's just, just changed. Yeah, the, TVs, man. God. So crazy. Yeah. So much old stuff built in there. There's so much. What would you call it? Technical debt. Like, yeah. Like, because the whole reason for over over scanning, it made all the sense in the world in the CRT era. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but it makes no sense at all, in, when everything's digital, and it's yeah. crazy that it, everything def- always defaults to the underscan. Overscan, I guess. Overscan, yeah. Did, anyway. that, did that make sense? 
uh, yeah. Did you do the same thing? Did you have to change yours to PC mode? I didn't have to. But maybe you just haven't noticed. Maybe I I haven't noticed, but I did play Cannonball. Huh. So, but maybe I didn't look at the at the thing. I'll have to go look. Yeah, you could. T- um, it's very obvious. You could just. I mean, oh, Cannonball really puts the score literally in the top right corner. I mean, there's yeah. it's they're way outside the safe zone. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing when designing for a TV to tell you to. There's like a like the overscan border. They tell you where it is, and you shouldn't go there. Uh, and even when filming, they right. they take it into account when they're filming. Right. Which is kind of bananas in that. Like that's how entrenched this thing is, right? The, and but like even the production side is basically just adapting, throwing its hands up and being like, "Okay, well, let's just avoid the edges." So. Right. Even though, right? It's like even though now there's no more technical reason for it. That we're digital. It's a digital image you're shooting on video, or and it's going to be digital all the way through until it gets on the display. Uh, but because everybody shoots within the safe zone, you still have to shoot within the safe zone. Yeah, and the still devices works. still default sometimes to well maybe they didn't shoot with the safe zone so we're going to overscan. Yeah, too, too weird. Yeah, <laughs> Byzantine little crazy technological nightmare. Uh, all right, let me take a break. We'll take a first break here and thank uh, our first sponsor, and it is our friends at Hello H U L L O. Um, Here's what these guys sell you. They sell you a buckwheat whole pillow. What the hell is that? Here's the thing. It's, it's been popular for centuries in Asia. This is how they've made pillows for literally hundreds of years. Um, you take the, these buckwheat holes. They feel, I, I haven't actually opened it up, but it, they feel like coffee beans. And they fill a pillow with these holes. Feels like a, almost like more like a bean bag than like a feather pillow. Um, Air flows freely through these things. So it's like it it keeps your head, your head doesn't get sweaty when you're sleeping on this thing. And then you can adjust the thickness to your personal preference. You just open it up, unzip it, and you could just take some of the holes out anytime you want. If, if, if the one you get out of the box feels like it's too full. Um, made in the USA with quality construction, really good materials. So um, it's pre-shrunken, durable twill cotton for the case. Uh, it's even a good zipper and it's, it's sort of hidden. Like it's, it tucks away. If you, you know, sometimes with like a jacket or something like that, you can have a, a, a zipper that's easy to get to, but then when it's all closed up, you don't see it. Um, and even the buckwheat, even the actual, the, the holes that are stuffed in the pillow, uh, they're grown and milled in North Dakota, right here in the U S uh, very environmentally friendly and, uh, organic product. Uh, everything's a hundred percent unbleached cotton, uh, no chemical foams inside, just natural hole. Really, really good. Sounds crazy. Here's the thing. I know that this sounds crazy. It is nothing like any pillow I've ever had before. They sent us two of them, uh, months ago, maybe a year ago when they first started sponsoring the show. Uh, and Amy and I still have them both on our bed. We both like it a lot. It's really, really nice. Definitely different. It's if it sounds different to you, to the idea of sleeping on more of like a bean bag than a feather pillow. It definitely is, but it's really, really nice. Um, so here's the deal: sixty nights for free. Just go there, buy it, and at any point in the first sixty nights, if it's not for you, they give you a full refund, no questions asked, no hassle. That you don't have to like call them up and and somebody's going to try to argue with you that you want to keep this pillow or talk you into it. Just send it back. Sixty nights for free. 
Uh, they have four sizes, small, standard, king. I guess that's three sizes. I guess I, I can't count. <laughs> uh, 49 79 129 bucks. Uh, here is where you go. Go to hello, H-U-L-L-O, pillow.com slash talk show. No the, just slash talk show. And uh, they'll know you came from the show. They'll help help with that. And last but not least, 1% of all of their profits are contributed to the Nature Conservancy. So you're doing good things. So my thanks to them. Uh, so what else? I, so I, when, I got it, when I got my home yesterday, um, uh, the App Store, like you said, it must have gone live during the day, probably when they started giving them out to people like, you know, monkeys like me and the media. Yeah. Um, so you, you had a briefing, right? Yeah. Can we, can we say you had a briefing? Yeah. I guess, cause, guess we just did. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, what, like, what, what are the talking points? Like, what are they running you through? Uh, well, it's officially the briefings are off the record, so I'm, I won't quote them. Okay, okay, okay. But I don't think it's a secret either. It wasn't really, it's, you know, it was, um, in my personal experience, I've said this before, it's, it's, I'm not quite sure where to draw the line with what's NDA and what's not, but the basic gist, I have never, ever gotten a review unit of an Apple product that didn't include a briefing. And not like a, with a room full of people, you get like one-on-one time with somebody from product marketing, um, you know, and it's always, it's some, you know, people who are, you know, what people at Apple are like, people, you know, the product marketing team for Apple TV is intimately familiar with the product. They really know it. Um, so the big parts that they emphasized, you know, the universal search and Siri, absolutely, you know, they went through a couple of demos, let me play with it. Um, but it's clear that that is central to their vision for what, what the, why are they even in the business of making Apple TV? It's this universal search is absolutely huge. Um, yeah, so I phrased that the wrong way because like, I no, don't want to into saying anything. I just no, and I'm I curious don't, what they want to push. Like, what yeah, no, I think that's yeah. a good question. I think because usually what they want to push really is the most interesting things, right? It's not right. like like it's so easy to overthink it. And if they're talking about A, B, and C, then you can overthink it and think, well, then D must be the part that's really interesting because <laughs> they don't want to talk about it, and maybe that's a problem or whatever. Now, universal search. Um, uh, you know, the basic gist of using the trackpad, um, which I, you know, we, I, we can talk about this more. I think we should. It's to me, it's interesting. They didn't, now this is the sort of thing they don't talk about, but I, the feel of it, the way that you can kind of feel the UI as you slide your thumb around is really interesting because usually a, a touchpad is, has always been a thing where you have a, a cursor on screen that you move around. Right. Mm -hmm. Just think about like a MacBook, like when you or the new magic trackpad for, you know, desktops, you slide your finger around and there's a thing on screen, you know, the arrow usually, but it, you know, turns into an I beam when you're editing text or whatever, it moves around in response. Well, there is nothing on screen on Apple TV. It's, you're just sort of implicitly moving a selection around and Mm -hmm. different things pop up and and move. I think they did a great job of that. Um, They did a, an amazing job of that. Like we, we could talk about that for ages. Yeah, we can hold it. They call it focus, but yeah. Um, get back to it. What else did they want us to show? I, you know, oh, they definitely wanted to show, and I think rightly so. And if if anything, to me, has been underplayed so far in the reviews of it that I've seen, is the um, the video scrubbing. Mm-hmm. 
uh, meaning that when you fast forward video, you you get a fantastic to me the best. Uh, it's even better than TiVo. Uh, and TiVo to me, uh, you know, I know John Syracuse is, you know, holds the same opinion on it is really to, until now, the only fast forward and video for anything I've ever connected to my, my TV that actually is decent. You know, the old Apple TV was complete shit for fast forward and rewind, especially for streaming content. Um, because you'd, you'd have no visual indication of it. You just have this timeline thing that moves, and every once in a while, it, it just goes back to the beginning of the whole stream. And yeah. the new one, it's so good. It's so fast that the, the little thumbnail that shows you what you will get if you stop, you know, as you fast forward, it updates perfectly. Like, it almost, it's almost like I wonder if they had to dial it back and slow it down so it doesn't change <laughs> too much, right? Yeah. It's like... It updates exactly as frequently as you want it to. And whatever it is that you're looking at on that thumbnail, when you hit click it again to say, all right, start playing from here, it just starts playing exactly what it showed in the thumbnail is exactly what you will see blown up to the full size of the screen. And it sound, I think it's, it's obviously anything you fast forward should work the way I just said, but nothing has worked that way until now. And I, they definitely wanted to show that off. Uh, and then yeah. mostly just uh, games, I guess. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, that fast forward thing is uh, amazing. Have it, you tried telling Siri to go back thirty seconds? Yet? Yeah, yeah, it works, and it works great. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, I find the only thing I find so far is I, I, I've. It's almost like I forget to use Siri. I've only had it for literally what, 20 to thirty hours. You know, so it's exactly I, I, where it's going to go. Right. I. Yeah. I find myself going to the store, navigating around like <laughs> top shows to find a show that I, I know what I'm looking for. I could just say it. And then, like, yeah. I forget what I, I want to break my old habits, you know? Right. I started doing the type ahead to type something and I was annoyed and I was just like, oh, wait, <laughs> I'm not supposed to type to find it. Yeah. Uh, they even, I think they even offer you reminders. It's like they even show you, they're like, you know, you could, you, you, you know, just hit the Siri button. <laughs> That's cool. I know some people have been frustrated with it, but whatever. It's Siri, so I think you can have good and bad experiences with it at times. Yeah, it's always like that. It's definitely, but it's getting better across all devices. You know, the watch, oh, yeah, and yeah. the phone, and with everything, it is getting better at a very. Does rapid. this one seem way faster to you? I think so, and it, um, like the words just appear as as I say them. Yeah, I, I don't. I almost don't even know how it could be faster. Like, why? Why? In, in, unless it's just that it's you know the the team working on Apple TV it's, are such engineering badasses that they're actually better than the uh, people on the watch and phone teams or something. I don't. I, I really. It almost seems inexplicable how much faster it is than than Siri on the phone. The only thing I could come up with was that it's a smaller problem set, so they've got a lot more stuff cached locally for uh like you often say show me yeah and then you've the name of a tv show and they've already got like a list of all the tv shows so they're they have a pretty confident guess before maybe yeah maybe. i i, I don't Fast know though. it was yeah. like um uh i was interested so for example we were watching uh uh a movie as a family last night jonas you know had like a in-service day today you know where the teachers are i don't know 
grade and papers or something. So he did, you know, yesterday was his, the beginning of his weekend. So he could stay up late and we watched a movie. Um, but I was interested and it, oddly enough, Amy was too in the Thursday night football game, which was uh, the Miami Dolphins against the New England Patriots because Daniel Tosh, you ever see that uh, Tosh? That guy. I, I, I'll bet you me. hate him. You hate yeah. him. Right? <laughs> Yeah. He's not a good person, which, yeah. which is he's a very he, he's a very funny guy. I think he's hilarious. But Amy really likes the, his show. She likes him, so yeah. I watch with her, and and I, I get grossed out by some of this stuff. I really I'm a little squeamish, and so if you don't know, Daniel Tosh has a show on a weekly show on Comedy Central where they show clips from YouTube and wherever else they can find them on the internet of people doing stupid things and often getting hurt and then he makes fun of them but anyway um he raised twenty five thousand dollars and he um had a he did this before too he raised like twenty five thousand dollars for charity um with that's awesome with the idea yeah but well just oh no no. (laughs) with the idea though that once he raised the 25 grand for charity he would go to vegas and bet it all on one hand to blackjack and then if he won it would all go to the charity and if he lost they would get nothing and he he went and played one hand to blackjack and lost and it was true i mean he was there at the mirage and he had a a stack of twenty five thousand dollars in front of him um And so this year he raised twenty five thousand dollars, and it's like a, it's actually for a pal of his who uh, some other comedian I hadn't heard him, but a guy poor guy's got like uh, a brain tumor or something, um, and uh, you know it's a typical U.S. thing. You know, even with Obamacare, it's like his insurance is going to like bankrupt him or something. So the money is yeah. going to go to help this this comedian friend of his, you know, pay off his medical bills from brain tumor. So great cause. But what he did is he yeah. bet. He, he bet the whole thing on the first half. This is like the longest tangent in the history of the show. He bet the whole <laughs> thing on the first half of the Miami Dolphins New England Patriots game. Now the 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 backstory here is that Tosh is a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan. Okay. Loves the Miami Dolphins. Uh the Miami Dolphins are terrible. They're so bad they've already fired their you know, like three games into the season they fired their coach. And that you know, I mean that's <laughs> If you can't even wait till the end of the season to fire your coach, you know your your team is in bad shape. So the Miami Dolphins are terrible, and the New England Patriots are quite possibly, probably the best team in in football this year. Yeah, don't tell Kafosis. Uh, so what he did is he bet on the Patriots for the first half only, so that he could you know. By all by all accounts, they're almost certainly going to be ahead at halftime. They had to be ahead by at least three and a half points, and he'd win. And but then he could go back and root for the Miami Dolphins to win the game by coming back in the second half. So anyway, long story short, we were interested in the score of the game, and so I did the Siri thing in the middle of a movie. Hey Siri, what's the score of the Dolphins game? And it the score was already up. Like it felt like I was going to wait for like a little spinner, you know, while she processes it. And in the meantime, it was like the you know. New England Patriots are up 17 nothing in the first half or whatever it was. Anyway, long story short, Tosh did win the bet. The Dolphins got killed. Okay, cool. So, I mean, good that he's helping out his brain buddy. (laughs) I think he's such a dick. I'm I'm sure that he, you know, behind the scenes, probably and probably gave the money, but at least publicly. And he did have a picture of the ticket you get from the sports book. He did, he did bet $25,000 on the Patriots. 
But anyway, long no, story short. Showmanship anyway. Anyway, yeah. Just, long story short, <laughs> you got your sports car score pretty right. quick. Re- it, like instantaneously. And, she, and, and that to me is not the sort of question... I, I guess that you can't. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, you know, I mean, how many? I guess people ask about weather and they ask about sports scores, and I, I, I don't know. It seems to me like it's more than just local caching. It's really, really good, and I just feel like it. It has to become habit forming because it is such a useful way to navigate the Apple TV. Yeah, I just still haven't got there yet. I still do the left, right, up, down thing way too often. Yeah, I'll get there. Uh, the other little thing and. I wonder, maybe, I haven't actually tried this, but I know at the event, when I played with it, I kept, I'd press the button, and I would say, what's the temperature outside? And that screwed it all up, and they're like, oh, no, no, you don't have to say, don't say, just ask what the weather is. But it's weird, because I've sort of gotten grooved on saying, because, Hmm. I guess I should have prefaced that, because I know famous, that's probably, me doing that probably set off uh, a bunch of people's... Here. Although strangely, Sorry. it didn't set off mine on my phone right here. Yeah, mine's okay too. Uh, so. Maybe we'll beep it out. If you heard beeps, yeah. I don't know. You may or not have heard beeps thirty seconds ago. It was because uh, I said A G Y Siri. <laughs> the only thing People that, are loving this. Like, Tosh, the, the only football, the Vegas. only thing that ever gets beeped on on my talk show. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Anyway, um, you would think that that shouldn't screw it up, though. Like, why would that screw it up? Yeah, I wonder if maybe they've, maybe they could just, maybe in, I wouldn't be surprised if in the interim, maybe they've made it so Siri will just ignore it, recognize it, and ignore it. Like, you don't need to say it, but if you do out of habit, it won't, it shouldn't hurt you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It seems like you're holding the button, which is effectively the same thing as summoning. It seems like the Siri. sort of thing that when before it goes out to a wider audience, you can see why they didn't do that because the only people who were using it were on the team and they knew exactly how it worked. And so they, of course, never said because they knew not to say. But then, Stop doing it. <laughs> beep. <laughs> they knew not to say the thing. Uh, but then once it got out into a wider release, it maybe it was like, oh yeah, obviously we should we should just listen for that and just yeah. dis- discard it. Yeah, sort of like with the live photos, the way that in the you know for the first month with the iPhone six, if you drop your camera, you know, drop it meaning lower it after you snap the picture, your live photo ends up with this blurry picture of somebody's feet every single time. And then starting in iOS nine point one, they detect that and just crop it at the point where you lower the camera. Yeah, um, I love live photos, man. That's a good idea. It's so great, but it's so, you can totally see how this seemingly obvious feature of detecting the lowering of the camera, how it slipped through, because the only people using it knew they were, they, they right. had gotten in the habit of holding the, the camera for, for one and a half seconds after they, right. they take the photo. Yeah, And it's really like when you're not thinking about it and you're not really, you because that's part of the beauty of the live photos, you don't have to think about it. You just yeah. do it, but then you end up with these weird things. So I I wouldn't be surprised if the, you know, <laughs> yeah something slips. <laughs> Don't do it again. Uh, uh, What's the Amazon one? Uh, Alexa? Huh? I'm uh, tricked into saying it. But what do you have to say though? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what. I, 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 anyway, whatever. 
this we can't I find it a little bit disconcerting that we're worried about saying the wrong thing to because it's going to upset robots. <laughs> it's not really a future I want to live in. Shh, it does. <laughs> Shh, don't I want to know it. Don't wake up the robot. <laughs> uh, let me take another break here. I'm going to thank uh, our next sponsor. And it's, what are you going to do if you're sleeping on one of these hello pillows? Well, what are you laying on? Well, you need a mattress. Um, so here we go. Serendipity, uh, our next sponsor on the show is Casper, the company that makes uh, the mattresses. And you buy them online, and they ship them to your house. And it's amazing. It's, this is like the the this is like the future. None of the shit where you go to a mattress store. What what a mess that is. Uh, Casper makes. Uh, they make buying a mattress so much easier. It's not just about skipping the store. Uh, they don't, they don't, you don't go there and like pick between eight different types of foam or styles of mattress. All they do, they just make you pick a size. They're like the apple of mattresses. You don't have to go in there and, and figure out what type of uh, spring technology is in there. They make one type of foam. They use two different technologies, latex foam and memory foam. And they've blended, they've got like their own custom blend that they think these are guys are mattress experts. That's all they do. They've taken care of how much bounce, how much sink should be there, how much of the memory, how much of the latex. Uh, they just, they do it. That's it. And it's really, really nice. Um, so you go there, you pick what size you want, twin size mattress, king size, queen size, whatever. That's the only decision you have to make. Then next thing you know, the mattress shows up at your house, packed into an unbelievably small box. It's probably the biggest box if you've got, when you buy one of these things, it's probably the biggest box you'll get this year, but it is way, way smaller than a mattress. It is ridiculously small. Um, half the fun of the thing is opening it up and hearing like the air suck into it. Like the whole reason they can ship it so small is that they like vacuum seal these things. Uh, you put it in your bedroom, you open up the box, you follow the instructions and it makes this cool noise, which I will not attempt to replicate. And next thing you know, there's a full size mattress My, with all this back to the future talk, you know, because of the back to the future day was last week. It reminds me of the pizza they make in back to the future where it's like tiny. And then the mom hits a button and two seconds later, there's a full size pizza. That's exactly what it's like, except it's a mattress and not a pizza. Does that make sense? Uh, great prices. Here's the other thing too. So much easier. No hard decisions on what type of technology. No crazy price comparisons. And you don't have to worry about shipping it or anything like that. You just go there, pick it out. Uh, the mattresses are made in America. And if you don't like it, you have 100 days where up to 100 days later, you can just say, you know what? I don't like it. Ship it back. Free delivery. You know. So if you have any reservations about buying a mattress without actually having tried it in a store, which quite frankly is kind of gross because guess what? Other people have been laying on those things too. Uh, you give 100 days, no risk, money back guarantee. Here's what you do. Uh, go to Casper Sleep. What is, the hell is the URL? Casper Sleep. That's it. Here we go. Caspersleep.com. And the code is the talk show with the the. And if you use that code, you'll save an extra 50 bucks. So my thanks to Casper. Go get a mattress. 
All right, what else is going on with the Apple I TV? I like the theme, though. Yeah, it's all sleepy stuff. Yeah, it's cozy. The winter's coming in. It's yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, what else? So, so let's we talk got about as far as turning the actual thing on. Yeah, let's talk about the input with the <laughs> yeah. you're sliding around this trackpad and and what did you say it's called Focus? Uh, yeah, it's called internally the class that takes care of all of that is called the UI Focus Engine. So, I mean, I know we don't have a selection rectangle, but it you you, know, you think of it like that, right? Like right. as you move down, you get the selection rectangle. What actually happens for listeners who haven't seen it is uh, you move from one icon or button to the other. And um, as you move onto one, it, it gets bigger and it gets a parallax effect on it too. So that as you slightly move your finger around the, tap, uh, the trackpad, um, the angle of the icon changes, giving it a nice 3D feel. Like you feel like you're manipulating an object. I and I it, it is it definitely has a 3D feel. I feel like for a 1.0 product, it's remarkably polished, and this might just be a factor of how long they've been working on it internally. Mm-hmm. But it's like to me the the 3Dness, the way that the selected item pops towards you a little, and the way that there is this parallax, and there's also like you said, like if you're if you're going to the left and you're selecting items from the left to the right. And you're still kind of pressing your thumb. You've stopped. You're hovering on one, but you're still kind of got your thumb going a little to the right. It that's the way it tilts a little bit, mm-hmm. right? It's as though you're sort of pressing it to the right. Yeah, you can idly play with them. I do just because. Well, I'm like, oh yeah, do I want to watch this? And I'm like looking at the the parallax effect. Like often the the text will pop from yeah. the front to the background, or there'll be it, a couple it, layers in there. It's the it's such a cool thing, but it would be so easy to do too much to have it too strong mm-hmm. and it's not i feel like it is delightfully understated yeah it's if not- anything i think that the uh, the white shine that they put on is a little bit too much but whatever it is funny though because it is absolutely positively not flat right to use that overused oh, term yeah. no. it is a very very visually 3d effect it is it yeah the things really well, pop yeah, while preserving some of the, I guess it's it's difficult to explain it, but I mean, the elements are flat, but they're stacked in a way such that it's like clearly 3D. You know what I mean? Like the, yes, uh, like yeah. the settings icon looks almost identical to the OS, right. uh, the iOS icon, but it is stacked in a way such that the gears are like descend into space so you can see them move a bit. Yeah, and uh, buttons are definitely buttons. There's, it's, it, and it, you know, you go back and forth on this. I've kind of gotten used to it with iOS 7, starting with iOS 7, the new look of iOS where a lot of buttons don't have an actual outline. They're just text. And it's almost like clicking, more like clicking, tapping hyperlink Hyperlink, than than tapping a button. Uh, And I can kind of see why they did that. It's never quite sat right with me, but I kind of have come to peace with it. But I really like that on Apple on this new Apple TV that buttons are buttons again. Yeah, they have like a pretty distinctive outline, and when you move on to one, it makes a different sound. Yeah, as you navigate around the uh, the UI, you get sounds for what you're selecting too, which is nice. Yeah, and it's really, in my opinion, well done again. I I think the old Apple TV sounds were pretty good too, 
Um, but I think that the tweaks that they've done are all for the better. And it yeah. just kind of, again, it, it, it's almost not like you're, it's not over the top. It's not like a lot of beeping and buzzing. It's just subtle little feedback that it almost is like it helps you feel it. It makes mm-hmm. it feel like your finger can feel these buttons because you're getting some kind of, uh, even though it's not a, like a force feedback on the remote, you're getting some kind of sensual input. Yeah. I I would I would love to see some kind of haptic feedback in, in the remote eventually. Yeah, I think that's got to come eventually, especially it, it just seems like yeah. they're doing so much so quickly. You know, the haptic stuff that they're doing is, if you think about it, it's like we're just early days on it, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, we're still in the first year of having uh, a force touch trackpad. Yeah. We, they just came out with the first phones with the 3D touch a, a month ago, right? Six weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, the watch only came out in April. And watch, you know, so the watch was one of the first ones they came out with. But the watch has really sort of the simplest implementation where it's really just, you know, is it a force touch or not? It's not like a degree mm-hmm. of force. Um, so I think that's inevitable. I think it's got to be, you know, whether it's next year or two years from now that there will be an Apple TV remote that that has some kind of haptic yeah it's not not just they they don't need it super robust either it's a smaller device so you don't need to move it that you know what i mean like the weight of the device is gonna matter right for the oscillator so right right and in a way that the way that you're like the big the only real to me the only real downside to the force touch on the new iphone successes um 6S's sounds so weird. I'll just yeah. say 6S. Or I'll say it like I write it. iPhone's 6S. Um, is that it made them way more. Like, noticeably more. Like, about 20 grams more. And that's, you know, the Apple doesn't really make things typically that get heavier. Yeah. Um, I think it's worth it. But on the remote, a little bit more heft might actually make it even feel better. The remote is so lightweight that adding, if it, if it if they have to add twenty grams to it to get force touch in there, well, so what? Yeah. Oh, well, also the engine won't have to be as forceful, right? Right. Because it's got less to to wiggle. Basically. Right. So anyway, I mean that's a minor. Th- that's how excited I am now. I'm like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if <laughs> X? You know what I mean? Like, it's not I, even a complaint. It's just like I. I would just say this. I, I would just go zoom back, big picture, of the three. I won't count the watch because the watch to me is not really an OS. It's, it's sort of, you know, it's a watch. Um, maybe I should, but of, of iOS, OS 10 and Apple TV, and they all have these new, if we start with iOS seven, these new user interfaces, uh, they're all using the San Francisco system font. I think that the Apple TV is the best, the best designed one. I just in yeah. little yeah. things like what do the buttons look like? What do the icons look like? Uh, to me, it's the the best. It's my favorite of them. Now, yeah, I think they've done amazing. Maybe job. I'm judging that a little early. Maybe if I, you know, a month from now after I've really gotten used to it, maybe I'll I'll start to see more things to complain about. But I feel like there are the least things in there that I would really wish that they would do differently. I don't really have any complaints like that. I just think it's gorgeous and it has such a great feel. Could also be because there's less to it, right? 
that's that possible less too. To it, but right. I mean, there's less UI, you know, like there's right. You don't have a complicated app necessarily, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So the way this focus engine thing works is that in code, like it moves the focus the way that the viewer is seeing the screen. So um, if you were to move like right, and there's a there's a uh, like a list to the right, it would jump to where you would expect it to go as viewer, not programmatically hmm. per se. Um, what's a good way of putting this? So you can imagine having a button, like a view button, um, that was covered up by something else. And if you press down, and it would have selected the button logically in the code, but something is covering it, it will instead pick the thing that's covering it. Hmm, I because gotcha, that's, I gotcha. that's the foremost on the screen. Like it, it doesn't... And then, man, sorry, I'm trying to explain to you uh, in a non-technical way, but there's a way that you'd structure the code in, in that um, all of these views relate to each other, and there's a hierarchy of views of what gets embedded in what. Um, but that isn't necessarily what gets presented on the screen because you can have stuff like pop-ups showing up or things coming in from the side. Or uh, a view element is either hidden or its alpha value has gone to zero. Like it's it's completely it's become tr completely transparent. Um, and this focus engine will take all of that into account. So it'll look at what, it'll consider what the user is seeing rather than what the developer has, has written. Yeah, I I think that makes sense from a layperson. I think people can kind of know what they mean by that. Like in the code, or or you know, in uh, do they still call it interface builder? What would you call? Yeah, they still call it IB. It's, so, it's interface builder, but it's inside Xcode now. Right. Yeah. Um, that a lot of times these the 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 UI is almost uh, it's like an outline where there are you know views that are sub views and that you can effectively yeah. at, at a higher level you can just collapse the whole thing like a section of an outline and just know that if you move this thing around all of its sub views go with it mm -hmm. uh and when you think of it that way you can think of what would the outline consider to be next you know isn't that sort of what you're talking about like it would be like a logical thing like you know that this is beneath it because it's the next thing in this outline, which has a linear view, but it yeah. isn't related to this. But the visual layout may right. be totally different. Yeah, right. And it, it just, would be like um, picture a web page with like a three column web page. There's the left hand column. There's the, the the content, and then there's whatever the ads and stuff on the right. Um, now imagine navigating with the focus. Like if you press the down button, you'd be going down the left hand side. Right. The source list, and then if you press right you would jump over to the main content view. Right. Um, now, if a dialog box popped up and you were in the left and you pressed right, you would jump into the dialog box instead because it's foremost. It's, it's right. more prominent. Yeah. It's it, it, in the bottom line, and I feel like it's, again, to overuse the word magic, they have taken a, a, an input paradigm, the trackpad, that is so much easier to conceptualize if you're just moving a pointer on screen, right? Just think of the arrow from Mac, that Mac arrow cursor. Conceptually, that's super simple. You move a thing and it moves core exactly, you know, along with your finger. And then it solves everything because whatever you tap on is what's underneath the arrow. So getting rid of the idea of a pointer is conceptually 
I would think to implement it very, very difficult because they've done it in a way that it has to, normal people are never going to think about this. Yeah, no, and you shouldn't. And there's a, there's a fair amount of new stuff that they've added to UI kit, um, to support this notion of, of focus. Mm. Um, and it's, it's unique to the platform. Like it doesn't, doesn't exist. doesn't even make sense on a, on a phone or an iPad. So I don't know. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. I really feel like they've knocked themselves out on it and it, I don't think they're going to get the recognition they, they, you know, and they know that too, that it's like some of the stuff that works, it, it, it really requires amazing engineering. It, everybody's just going to take it for granted very, very soon. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the, so we crapped all over on screen keep the on screen keyboard, um, just the idea of it, and it still is less than optimal. But like when you have to enter a password or you know something like that, or like, and or if you, uh, you know, like Netflix, like to you turn on Netflix, I had to enter our Netflix credentials. Mm-hmm. There's no way around that. Yeah, um, that app's better too, by the way. But the Netflix app. Yeah. Actually, I guess there is a way around it. You know, we can talk about it. You know, did you see that there's a net newswire for Apple TV? I did. I have not tried it out yet. So it's, in a sense, so Black Pixel, the people who have net newswire now, did a, a Apple TV app. I was surprised. I was like, it doesn't seem, RSS does not seem like something I want to do on my TV. Uh, having played with it, I think I'm right that it's probably not something I want to do on my TV, but it it may not have been that much work for them. I don't know, but it's interesting. But the thing that was the most interesting to me was um, they to they have a, their own sync engine, and so you can enter your email and password in the Apple TV the old-fashioned way, or you can just launch iOS Net Newswire on your iPhone if you're on the same Wi-Fi network, and and they tell you this. They're like, or you can just you know the easier way would be to just launch Net Newswire for iOS. So I launched it on my iPhone. And there on my iPhone, I got a dialog box with uh, the option to grant the Apple TV app on this, you know, the name of my Apple TV, uh, my NetNewsWire sync. And I hit a button and it was there. Oh, that's great. So that's, you know what I mean? Like that's, uh, whether I'm actually going to read RSS on my Apple TV, to get sync credentials across, that was great. I wish Netflix would have had the same option. Hopefully yeah. hopefully, more and more apps will start doing stuff like that so that you don't have to do it. But anyway, when you do type on the new Apple TV, I do think they've made the keyboard better than the old one. Mm-hmm. Like the old one that was arranged in a, two, a two-dimensional grid. It was like A, B, C, D, E, F, and then next line you know, whatever letter comes after F. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Is it? I forget. Uh, I can't, I can't, I often don't remember mid alphabet. I have to start from the beginning. I do it every time. Yeah. I have to to start from the beginning and I didn't feel like doing it. I don't want to admit that, but I do. (laughs) (laughs) And and sometimes I can always do it from the beginning, but sometimes I'm amazed by things. I'm like, Wow, S and T are really far back in the alphabet. I never thought of them as being so far back. Yeah, yeah, they are pretty far back. <laughs> yeah, they really are. Like, um, like those are bi- to me, those are big boy consonants. Like you, you know, S is the most frequently used consonant. T is you know super up there in frequency. You just think that they'd have you know better seats, better position. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I heard uh, man, God, 
this show is just called The Weeds at this point. Uh, <laughs> I was watching TV the other night, and they had somebody do a sobriety test that was, uh, like, say the alphabet backwards. <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me? I, I couldn't do that anyway. Like, I, no matter, like, I would, uh, that's, I'm, as we speak right now, I am stone cold sober. Uh, I could not do that. No, Z, no Y. I'd have to. I would have to do it like in. Think about it as like a programming code. It would be like you would you would flunk the student because the alg- <laughs> the algorithm I would have to use. I can do Z and Y. Yeah. All right. X. I was going to say W, w X Y Z. So you get it. I would. I would yeah. more or less once I got past X to W, I would have to redo the entire alphabet. A B C D E F G H I J K L M N O P Q R S T. Yeah. You would scan v. the entire thing. Find All right, the last and then one, I can go V. <laughs> I, I would, I would not be able to to pass that field sobriety test. No, yeah, but the actress rattled it off, and I was like, "Well, okay, well, I, I guess I've drank too much, or this is just not realistic at all." <laughs> In my head, too, honestly, I'm not going to sing here on the show, but in my head, when I do the alphabet in my head, I, I do it in the, the sing-song. Sing-song voice. Yeah, yeah, of course. You have to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those things that I stopped caring about, like doing... I could do... I, I know. I feel like I got to a functional enough level with it, and I'm like, okay, putting that aside. I can naturally do my brain. I do... I, I can naturally, without having to stress, I can do pretty significant arithmetic in my head um but i i only do it because it is easy for me like and i've been talking to jonas about it jonas isn't so good at 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 arithmetic and i you know i was like you know you got to do it you got to do to pass these tests you got to study and you got to work on this i was like but in the long run in life you know this is a problem that computers have solved like you have to understand the concepts to know what to do, but if you can't do six hundred forty-seven minus eighty-seven in your head, don't worry about it. You're going to have a calculator with you everywhere you go in your life. Yeah, but good it, advice. Um, <laughs> so what you don't have is is a sign with the alphabet on it, so. <laughs> right? But so alphabetization for me does not come naturally. I don't do it, and but it's a solved problem, right? My computer yeah. alphabetizes everything for me that I want alphabetized. Why in the world would I have to worry about it? Well, if you go down and find a list view, do you? You must know. You instinctively know if you're too low or too high. Yeah. You know, like if you're looking at the W and yeah. you're like, do you go down to find the H? No, you go. You'll go back up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway, I have. Fine. Yeah, like yeah. as I'm looking at the list, like I'm not like, uh, I'm not. <laughs> a good uh, therapy for alphabet. <laughs> I'm not like it's not like I uh, uh, I'm not bad at alphabetizing. I'm just I just can't do it all in my head automatically. I can't quite remember if, if is it K before L or L after K unless I look at it in the list. But I kind of know basically where they are. Yeah, the neighborhoods. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's go back to talking about accounting. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, the UI, UI for, for Apple TV. Yeah. It's really, really well done. Um, I think they've done a good, lo- good job, and I think it's got legs, too. I think this is going to... Yeah. Oh, so... I don't think it's going to run out of possibilities. So the difference... I was talking about the keyboard, and the old one was a, was a grid, and you'd have to go up, down, left, and right to select letters. And it wouldn't go... You couldn't go right to go down to the next row. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? 
Like yeah, if it would you're bump at the, you out into the next view of right. If you were at the top right of the grid, I would think going right would move you down, move the selection to the next letter in the alphabet. But it wouldn't. Yeah. It would just sort of like beep at you or something. So the new one is um, just a straight list across the screen from A to Z. Uh, and so all you do is go left, right. But one of the things I noticed is, and I think it's really cool, is as you move the selection for which letter it is, it's not just one, like the rectangle highlighting the selection moves a little bit as you move your finger on mm -hmm. the, the trackpad. Yeah, You know what I mean? Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, it's leading a bit. Like yeah. It's, it's, it's ready to go to the next one. And like, then when you let go, it'll come back to rest, like on the left. Right. That you, so like, if you're pressing a little bit to the left on the trackpad, the selection range will be a little bit more like leaning towards the next letter of the left, but you still haven't moved your thumb far enough to actually move it to the next letter. Mm -hmm. it, yeah, it feels very visceral. Yes, exactly. It has a real visceral feel to it that I, it makes it, it, you know, so for all the crapping I've done about on-screen keyboards in general, I feel like the one that they've built for this is a nice, is about as good as it could get. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I don't know what more you could have done. Like you've got basically a D-pad or like a trackpad and like 24 letters plus all of the 26 letters, however many letters. <laughs> <laughs> People are going to, this is like the episode. Wow. Where, the episode where we reveal ourselves is the, the dummies that we actually <laughs> the dumbest are. People ever. Um, the point I wanted to make was, uh, so if you long press or if you hold uh, a letter, you get the capital letters and the letters with the accents. On oh them. man, I didn't know that. Yeah. Is there another way of doing it? Like yeah, you, you go down to the bottom and you can, it's like more or less switching to all caps. Okay, yeah. There's like a capital A, capital B, capital C, and then there's the next one over is lowercase a, lowercase b, lowercase oh, okay. a. okay, got it. Yeah, I just tried the long press yeah. first and it worked. I should have tried that. See, that's, way better. Yeah. that's my failing, not theirs, because that seems like if I had to guess, it, it, this is like the problem of talking about it with only one day of using it, but it exactly yeah. makes sense. Brilliant. Yeah, so it works way better, and it's whatever. It's nice, and it is. You're still going back and forth through the alphabet, but it's not that big a deal. I got actually pretty quick at doing that grid. Like, remember when we were kids and you'd have to type in codes? Yeah, yeah, uh, and you'd get really good at it. I got pretty good at like navigating that uh, that grid on the Apple TV. Uh, you mean like codes, like to? Oh, yeah, sorry, like a code for like an arcade game, like a Nintendo game. Like right. Put in your code, your save code. Uh, and you'd have to, they, they would have like a similar grid of letters and numbers. Yeah, or remember when you used to get to enter three initials for a high score? Right. Right. Man, those are the days. What were your three initials? GTE? Uh, I think I would just put Guy. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've mentioned this before. Mine was uh, GRU. That's a good one. Yeah. I don't know. It just I, it came to me early on, and I thought that it's better than the initials. Yeah. I have to admit, like, I don't think I got on the high scores that much, so. I did on Star Wars. Oh, of course you did. Yeah. Although on Star Wars, uh, the coin-op Star Wars, the first three, every time you reset the machine, the first three were built in, like, they're, like, in the ROM, and they're incredibly high. So if you just like bought a you know had like a brand new Star Wars coin op game, and you played it the first time, the best you could probably do is to be fourth. Like the top three were it was like one of them was like they were like like in jokes. Like one of them was OBI. Oh, that's cool. Um, 
Yeah, but you know, I thought that they were so high that they were impossible. And then one time I was in an arcade and I saw it was like the first time. Like I thought I was the baddest ass at Star Wars who ever lived because there was no internet, so you couldn't you yeah. never you never found out about the people who were really good at games. And I was just waiting for the machine, and I was like, "Christ, how many games is this guy going to play?" And I like look, and he <laughs> he had like this score that boggled my mind and he was at a level that I didn't think you'd ever be able to get to. <laughs> and it was, I was just like, Oh, I, I'm actually not very good at this game at all. <laughs> that was a great game though. It was a good game. Yeah. Vector graphics. Vectors, yeah. Um, all right. The keyboard's good. The, uh, focus selection, uh, Video playback. So this is the part, I, I mentioned this before. So when you fast forward and rewind and scrub the video, it is so good. It is, to me, everything that they promised on stage. Um, it works great in Apple's app. You know, like when you play the movies and TV shows that you get from iTunes. Mm -hmm. It's available, this is, what they, this is what I've been told. It is available to developers and they encourage all developers to do it, but they can't, it's not like every app will do it right automatically. Like somebody could make like a streaming app that doesn't use the the best APIs for this, or that maybe the server that's sending the streaming video doesn't do something that they need to have happen. So there might be, I haven't seen any yet, but I haven't played with a lot of the third-party video apps yet. But it seemed as though they were sort of bracing me for the fact that maybe in some third-party apps video the scrubbing of the video isn't going to be as awesome as it is in apples but it could be they're they're not using apis that aren't available to third-party apps but developers might have to do some work on that yeah i, I would imagine that that's um collaboration between the the back-end server stuff and the the app itself like, because you do have to at some point when you start doing the scrubbing you need to see where like the thumbnail Right. So it's got to come from somewhere. So, uh, you know, it's probably kind of difficult to uh, to coordinate. And some apps may just do raw streaming. Yeah. Like I think the Apple TV app reads ahead. Right. Like, like as much as it can, basically. Right. But I will say this, because we watched a movie last night on Netflix. It was exactly, it was like, a, we're right out of uh, a, a uh, you know, commercial for Apple TV where we wanted, because it's Halloween season, so we wanted to watch a scary movie. So we were going to watch uh, Scream. And, uh, you know, ask Siri for, you know, show me the movie Scream. And we'd already entered our Netflix password. And the first thing that came up was Netflix had the movie. And they prioritize free. So if if there's a way in one of the apps you've you've configured on Apple TV to watch what you're looking for for free, that will be the first option. So it's not just that they show third-party options. They will show them before Apple's own option just because they'll they prioritize free. Like they, That's good. That's really good. I mentioned one of the things I like about Apple is that they do actually I mentioned it last night when it worked like that. I was like, they told me that it would prioritize free. And Amy gave me like, uh, you're actually going to praise them for doing the obvious, for not trying to charge you $4 for a movie you could watch for, you should be able to watch for free because you have Netflix. And I was like. Well, she has a point, but I mean, <laughs> it's, I guess, yeah, we are so jaded and accustomed to companies but just to milk us, but I mean. I would yeah. not have been surprised at all if they, if, if they had, prioritized 
iTunes, nope. you know, or at least, you know, not prioritized. But yeah, well, I guess whoever's first is prioritized. If iTunes was always first. I would not have been shocked at all. In fact, I remember having a similar thing years ago. Uh, I'd rented a movie, I forget which one. And then like months later, I went to go and watch it again. So I rented it again. Uh, and iTunes, or the TV came back and told me like, uh, you've rented this before. Do you sure you want to do it? I'm like, oh, that's super nice of you. Yes, I do. But thank you for reminding not me. just taking me my money. Like right. they, they could have easily just taken the money and been like, oh, well, I guess you want to watch it again. Right. And you know that somewhere inside Apple, there's somebody who probably, somebody who works for iTunes who probably was, somebody had to at least advocate for it a little. Like, you know, yeah. it was probably a debate inside. Yeah. And it's, well, I mean, that doesn't just happen either. Like they have to go check. Have I ever rented this movie before? Like that... That's cool that, you know, like somebody took active measures to make that a feature. Right. Because every single alert along the way, you know, they definitely, you know, it's a terrible experience if you, if it's too easy to accidentally rent something terrible. And even Apple, nobody's, no company is so greedy that they want people to be angry at them. So there, you know, I, I don't know that any, there's ever been a video on demand platform that makes it too easy to rent something by accident. Um, but yeah, that's an extra nice step. And I feel like on this on the new Apple TV, by 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 being willing to say, hey, you know, you you've got HBO Go, and this movie is, you know, in HBO's current selection of movies, you could just watch it there for free. Um, by making that the first option, you know, that, again, there was probably somebody there on the iTunes team who was like, oh, come on, no, let's put iTunes first. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, I'm glad they didn't do it. It comes back to the old, the the thing we often come back to when talking about Apple that of the three people that apple generally has to think about apple it's themselves and that what's in the best interest of the company their users the people who buy the products and then last developers that yeah. that's you know that they do want to do well by all three but the order tends to be apple first user second developers third um here's a case so where doesn't this this is not yeah it, it go ahead well it's a case where i think they're putting a user first yeah i guess Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, they're putting the happiness of the users ahead because yeah. they think that that's a longer term and ar- for their own success, right? Yeah, than, and arguably yeah. developers too, right? So, like, you know, Netflix is a developer, and the fact that Netflix can get their mm-hmm. their thing listed before iTunes' version of the same movie is good for them. I think it's you know, yeah. I, I'm not surprised. You know, it's it seems obvious. You know, it made my wife roll her eyes because it seems so obvious that this is the way it should be. Um, but you just know that there's a lot of little decisions that Apple sometimes makes that don't, don't, don't show that sort of priority. Right. So yeah, that was cool. Uh, how do you like the Netflix app? I thought it was great. And I, I always thought that the old Apple TV Netflix app was sort of crap. And mm-hmm. I, um, what else do we have? Like Netflix, cause Netflix is so de- device agnostic, right? They, they, they've got no box of their own. You, there's no Netflix box. So they just want to be everywhere, right? They're built into TVs. I was at somebody, a family member's house, uh, for a kid's birthday party or something a couple months ago. And somebody had Netflix built into their TV. Like it wasn't like a box connected to their TV, like yeah. their TV. I have that. I have that. I could do Netflix on my TV, without it, any, which is bananas but. it doesn't make any sense to me because i don't I, i'm i'm just out of touch on how computerized tvs are out of the box mm-hmm. um 
So Netflix is everywhere and, you know, with varying degrees of quality. But I've always thought Apple TV was actually one of the worst ones. Like it just it just seemed a little, I don't know, half-assed. Um, so I'm not sure how much um, they could have done because all of the old Apple stuff was basically this, uh, it's like a markdown language. Right. Sort of like HTML, but uh, specifically just for doing those kind of Apple TV apps, which is why they all kind of look the same and were kind of bland. Well, I know I always thought though that their streaming wasn't that great either. Yeah. I mean, if you just hit play and you wait a couple seconds and then just play it right through, it goes. But, you know, you couldn't fast forward or rewind worth a shit. And yeah, I think I just gave up trying, to be honest. Well, and I'm trying to remember the last time I was frustrated by that. And then I'm actually thinking, like, you know what? I just don't think I bother. Okay. <laughs> well, and who wonders how long Netflix has been working with Apple on the, the new Apple TV? Right, because we know that the Apple TV, this Apple TV, the new one, the good one, has been in the works for a, a while. Yeah, and it seems like Apple and Netflix have a pretty good relationship for companies that more or less could be seen as competitors. Uh, I'm not aware of any weird animosity stuff. Like Netflix was there day one, right? They're and, on the phone, they're on everywhere, right? So. And Netflix was on the old Apple TV very early on as one of the yeah. very first third-party partners that that got that sort of relationship. Yeah, I have a feeling that Netflix thinks its fight is with HBO. Yeah, definitely. And it doesn't want it. You can't fight a two-front uh, two war, right? Like, you right. can't take on all of the technology players and, like, people like HBO or AMC and that. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it's partly with HBO, but then, you know, there's a bunch of HBOs now. And I also think that they all what, what Netflix sees is that they're – one of their biggest competitors is the fact that there's only so much time in a day. Right. And it's really that they've they've got a fight to make it worth your time, you know, that for a couple of hours every month you're going to find something good to watch on Netflix. Yeah, that's huge. And that way of looking at media is super interesting too because that means video games can gobble up your TV. Right. Uh just the Same amount of time. Thing. Yeah, just the amount just of... There's only so much... Everybody's got to go to sleep at some point. Right. Finite amount of time. And what are right. they going to do? Well, if it's messing around on Twitter, then guess what? They're not watching right. whatever it is, your friends reruns or something. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I think that the video playback is great. And I know that it's going to be... We'll, we'll, I'll take it for granted soon enough. But at this point, I'm just... I'm thrilled every time I fast forward and rewind. Yeah, it's really good. They've done an amazing job with this little device. Oh, did you um, – this is a weird one that you probably didn't notice. Uh, go to the main menu. Okay. The home screen. Uh, just put the remote down for uh, – wait a bit. Uh, everything will dim except for the icon that you've got focused. Hmm. It'll be have like a spotlight on it. Uh, and then as soon as you move the remote, move it, just nudge it, uh, the screen will go back to normal. Hmm. And they're using the accelerometer inside the – Instead of remote. Right. And when you put like, it down, like on a coffee table or a couch, it is perfectly still. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So even like like the difference between being perfectly still because it's resting on your coffee table versus it's in your hand, but you're not moving your hand, it, exactly. it knows that it's in your hand. Exactly. It's just a really nice, it's a weird little touch, but it's just really cool. Yeah. Also, I love that they put an accelerometer in that thing for no apparent reason that we can see from the UI, right? Oh, yeah, well, that, not in their UI, but it's obviously, you know, we'll yeah. get, we can get into games, you know, later in, as we work towards the end of this. But 
I wonder though. I wonder though if they would have put an accelerometer in the remote if they hadn't been thinking about games. I don't know. I mean, why do they use it? They they don't use it except for that nice little touch. So right. I don't know. I'm super happy that they put it in though because it. Yeah. What do you think about the, the screensavers? Uh, I love them. I think they're so gorgeous. They're like hypnotic. Yeah, I, I can't get enough of them. I have uh, my old screensaver is. Uh, like a shared thing, but it's just photos of uh, Indy, like Vicky's dog, basically. <laughs> and he's so cute. So I love watching that. But I feel kind of bad because now I just leave the, the standard city screen viewers up, screensavers. And they are gorgeous. Like, I don't know how they shot those, but it's amazing. Yeah, there's something. I, it would be a great, um, maybe they'll, well, they're Apple, so maybe they won't. But with new Apple, you never know. It'd be interesting if they did like a one of those little behind the scenes things that they sometimes do and just showed how they made them. Because and like Jonas, it really caught Jonas's eye too. Like he was like he he even asked the question like How did they do this? Because it somehow looks different than the footage that you typically see shot out of like a helicopter. Yeah, I don't know if it's drones or if it's a helicopter, but shot at a super high frame rate. Right. But it's not actually because you can see cars driving down the street at some point. Yeah, it's definitely some some kind of high frame rate, uh, but it definitely is not like a static image. Yeah. I guess it's drones. I it, and there was some. The New York Times had a piece this week on the way that Greenland is melting at an alarming rate. Yeah, yeah. and um, the the team of researchers from I think it was like the University of Wisconsin, whoever it was, doing this. Uh, it was an amazing story just just to hear about what they're doing and the danger, just the danger of going up there and having this water rush by. Like if you if the the ice you're standing on to measure the temperature of the water cracked and went in, you like they said like the death you know it's chance of death is a hundred percent. There's nothing that anybody would be able to do to save you. Yeah. Kind of terrifying. Yeah. Uh, certainly has a sense of being at the end of the world, right? Like you're up here and all you see is ice and stuff like that. But they. It, so it's a great story in general, really interesting, fascinating. But the thing that really captivated me was the the footage that they video footage they had from these drones. And it just occurred to me like and they were talking about the budget concerns that these scientists have, you know, that they're, you know, using taxpayer money. Um and it's it's just really, really tight budget. Like every single dollar had to be accounted for just to get, you know, and some of the stuff is so expensive, you know, it was like $5,000 an hour for the helicopter that drove them to or flew them to where they were going. Um, it just occurred to me that even just like 10 years ago, there's no way they would have gotten any kind of aerial video footage because if, you know, the, yeah. the, like drones have like absolutely fundamentally changed the type of footage we get. Like it, it's like, Video footage that would have cost, that would have been like in the budget of like a twenty million dollar documentary film. Now a team of university researchers can get just as good a footage. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. There is a certain smoothness to drone footage that I guess I guess that's what Apple used, but I don't know. It's these screensavers are. They look great. Yeah. Uh, did you hear? Just <laughs> because we're in the weeds here. Uh, uh, researchers were using drones to check out bears hibernating, but the drones would wake them up. Oh, <laughs> totally screwed up! <laughs> screwed up a bunch of bears. <laughs> it's like a some kind of Heisenberg joke. Yeah, insert exactly. there. 
<laughs> and it's funny too to think about because I bet the bears were annoyed. <laughs> yeah, it's this buzzing thing hanging around you. Of course you're going to be like, what is this? This is not natural. Oh, yeah. Bears just seem like the type of animal you just don't want to annoy. <laughs> Please send a robot to do it for you. Right. Like imagine if you were on a hike and you just you had nothing to do with the drones or the research. You're just in bear country. <laughs> and now there's like a bunch of angry bears that got woken up in the middle of their hibernation. Uh, oops. I've always you know, I've always been a little jealous of bears. Uh why? Because the uh the hib- hibern- hibernating yeah. sounds like the best thing like doesn't that just seem great like just skip winter yeah you just skip it sounds pretty luxurious yeah i mean i'm sure like the realities of it are not great but oh man i i bet you know they've they've got all that fat and the fur they're, yeah, they're nice yeah. and warm i think you you know it's like it, it's like getting to be like you know late november starting to get cold you, you make one one good kill have a good meal and then you're like, settle, you know what? Down. You know what? That was it. You're like, that that was it. That was a good rabbit I just ate. And then you just go and next thing you know, man, you just sleep for f- four months. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that does sound pretty good. I read, I good. read, I do remember reading once because I've, uh, uh, I'm fascinated by it, by hibernation. I wish I could, do, I would do it. That'd be great. Just shut the daring fireball down for four months. Just, you know, <laughs> hibernating. I'll just put up a thing, you know, sleeping. And then just wake up and it's spring, right? You you just skip all the uh, the 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 no sunshine. Skip the sun going down at five in the five at night. Skip the cold temperature. Just it is weird. Like, do they wake up ever? Yeah, they do. I that's the thing I was going to say is that they don't actually sleep continuously for four months. They do wake up and you know I think like take a piss every once in a while, but they don't. Oh, so they even move? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. So it it means, well. That makes sense. I think it's it's like the equivalent of waking up in the middle of the night, though, and going to the bathroom. Yeah, and then just going back. Just on a four-month schedule. You just wake up and, you know, maybe get a... Man, that sounds like the lap of luxury. Get a drink of water. Yeah, that does sound pretty good, i got to say. <laughs> I love... I just like sleeping. I don't know. It sounds good to me. Uh, yeah, good, it's, yeah. Speaking of going to sleep, <laughs> our next sponsor... It has nothing to do with sleep whatsoever. It's MailRoute. These are the guys. These are email nerds, and the company does nothing but email. Kind of almost maniacal, single-minded focus. They do services, cloud-based filtering solution for email, and that's all that they do. Um, So long story short, if you have a domain that you get your own email from. You have an email server running somewhere like a web host or maybe it's a company and you have your own servers in the building or something like that. Uh, doesn't matter what your backend is. Doesn't matter you know whether you're running Linux or Unix or if you've got like a, a Microsoft system or something like that. Um, you can use MailRoute because you don't really, it's not software that you install on your server. It's a DNS type thing. So you go in to your domain and you set your your DNS records for mail to point your domain at MailRoute first. And then in your MailRoute account, you tell your MailRoute account where your actual email server is. So then it's just simple. Email comes in. MailRoute doesn't host your email. They don't run mail servers. They're just a little DNS filtering service. The mail comes in. MailRoute takes all the crap out, all the spam, all the junk, anything that has like viruses or you know fishy attachments and stuff like that, they filter all that out, 
and then the email immediately goes just right to your server. So now your server, you haven't done anything to your server. You haven't changed the damn thing. All you've done is changed your DNS records. But then all of a sudden, the inboxes for all of your users, whether you, you know it's like me and you've got one person at daringfireball.net, one email, uh, or it's a big company and you've got thousands of people, all of a sudden the inboxes for every account on your system have all the crap just filtered out. Uh, it's amazing. It is super, super accurate. Really, really good. This is all this company does. Um, they've got great stuff on our website. You can read about some of the stuff they do uh, to to have this incredibly highly tuned spam filtering engine. It's, it's just amazing. And they have really cool features too. They have stuff that can send you, you can, you can configure it. So if you want to get it once a day, you get it once a day, you can get it like every week, but you can get a report from them that would list all of the maybes. Like here's 10 emails that we filtered out today that we're pretty sure are spam, but maybe these aren't. Take a look at them. And then if you see one, you know, every once in a while, like when you buy something online, like for me, sometimes the receipt for whatever you bought often gets hit by a spam filter or something like that. I think MailRoute's filtering is amazingly accurate. Nothing's perfect. But then you get this report, you've got this peace of mind where you've got this real nice, easy thing to scan just to make sure that nothing's getting filtered that you didn't want to get filtered. And if they do make a mistake, it's like two clicks and okay, we know that's not spam and it won't happen again. Really, really good. Um, they've got all, it, it, as a typical user, their defaults, you could just hook it up, let it go, forget it, don't worry about it. You're fine, done. If you are like an IT professional, if you're the sort of person out there who runs the e the email for your company, they've got all sorts of APIs, anything you want. If you really do want to get down and dirty and deal with the code and, and hook it up and you know connect it to things, they've got all sorts of stuff. Um, go check them out. Here's where you go. Go to mailroute, M-A-I-L-R-O-U-T-E dot net slash TTS, like the talk show, just TTS. And you will get a free trial. And if you use that code slash TTS on the domain, when you do sign up, you save 10% for the lifetime of your account. So you could use this and 10, 15 years from now, you'll still be saving money thanks to the talk show. Uh, so my thanks to them. Go check them out. Really, really great service. I personally recommend it. All right. What else we got on Apple TV? Um. Oh, here's one I noticed. I know, and speaking of games, uh, here's one I noticed, and I can't believe this one is maybe the first thing that I encountered that surprised me. So, uh, we did the thing like I talked about, where we okay, you have a new Apple TV, uh, use your iPhone, and it'll send your you know Wi-Fi password and your Apple ID and stuff like that. All work great, but for Game Center, that means that our Apple TV is me. And when we launch a game that is Game Center integration, it says, hello, Gruber. Um, mm -hmm. And it doesn't seem like there's any easy way to switch. Like, it seems to me like it ought to be like, uh, you know, PS4 and Xbox, where you can set up multiple profiles so that Jonas can easily, when he's playing a game, easily switch to his Apple ID and not have to log out and log in and type his password, which is ridiculous seems like there should, you should be able to have multiple Game Center profiles. Like, I understand why you don't on an iOS device, because they're designed to be personal. And I know that a lot of people wish that, like, the iPad in particular could have multiple user accounts. Um, but that's just not how they're designed. But Apple TV, by definition, is designed to be used by everybody who lives in the same household. I agree. I think it's a big oversight. 
I'm really surprised. I mean, I can't help but think that they know about it. And even given all the time that they've spent working on it, I just can't help but hope that this is just, well, we didn't get to that yet. Yeah. Oh, I have to assume is we didn't get to that yet. But uh, like, I'm not entirely sure how closely tied the Game Center account is to your Apple ID. Like, it should you switch be. the Game Center account. It should be totally separate, right? Like, it is. Yeah. Think, and you I can, think. and you can also do the same thing. Um, like with the iPhone, you can have a different iTunes store account from your iCloud account. So if you, like I do, like a dummy, uh, I have an I, Apple ID that I use for iCloud. That's the thing I get email from. It's the address where you mm-hmm. can send me iMessages. Um, but I have a different account for my store purchases. I think there's a lot of like people who've been using iTunes since the early days of the store. A lot of people might have that type of setup. That's weird. And I started with like an iTools account. Yeah, iTools. I remember iTools. Um, Was the domain iTools back then, or did they not even have email? uh, I can't remember. Uh, For me, it was. I do know that I give every like my my Mac dot com is what I give everybody, despite the fact that it's. And here's one thing that bugs me: Apple merges Mac and me and iCloud and all of their experimental <laughs> stuff down into one account. Like they, they just counted all as the same, but other services don't. So I'll get like a Google invite, like to a Google group and it'll oh, be like my, uh, at me account. And right. I, and I can't log in cause it's not Mac or where I used iCloud or anyway, it's frustrating. Yeah. There's, it's the, it's the penalty of not having the foresight to pick the right domain off the start. Compare and contrast uh, right, with Google, yeah. who nailed it, right? It was. It used to be that there, Google didn't have any way that you could get email from them. And then low one April Fool's Day, they said, okay, now we have a thing called Gmail, and mm-hmm. you can sign up for whatever you want at gmail.com. And 10 years later, it's exactly the same, and you've never yeah. had to worry about it. They didn't change it to Google Mail. They didn't change it to at Google. Last month, they didn't change it to Alphabet or Amen yeah. Amail. <laughs> Email. That's what Amy gets. Amy gets email. <laughs> um, you know, they, um, they just got it right the first time and nobody ever has to worry about it. And, you know, like I still use the Mac.com too, but every once in a while, for whatever reason, it's like something will come in to me.com and yeah, it gets annoying. And yeah. yeah. And like you said, other services don't see that as being the synonyms for the same email account. Yeah. And I know that they, I mean, so they rebranded them. Because they're like, okay, that one, that last one sucked. And I've done that like three times now. Uh, but I mean, that's just collateral damage for like long term users. Every time they change it up, it's like, ah, oh, man. Yeah, I like sticking with the mail Mac dot com one just out of nostalgia. But that was the name that was the li- most short sighted. Like they should have known that they were going to use this for more than just the Mac. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> well, anyway, you can have a different ID for the store than the for your iCloud. So to get like your photos and stuff in through the photo syncing, you can have a different account for that. And you can have a different account for Game Center. It defaults to the whichever one you used when you first set it up. Because for most people, that's the right thing is they're going to use the same ID for all of those things. Yeah. But it doesn't seem like there's any way, unless I missed something, it doesn't seem like there's any way to switch Game Center accounts. It does feel that... Um not in like a point release, but eventually a multi-user system would make a lot of sense for the TV, right? Yeah, it seems like it because it really does seem. And Netflix 
Netflix has a pretty good thing for that, where you can tell Netflix how many people are in your family, and right when you launch the app, who's watching, you know. Amy, yeah, it even Amy. asks me. It says guy or kids, and I don't even have any kids. But I'm like, <laughs> still me. <laughs> I think I use kids when I'm babysitting, like right. my my friend's kid or something. So right, and keep them out of the you know. Well, it's not like there's anything crazy on there, but well, I wasn't even thinking crazy. I'm, t- I mean, but with kids, some, you know, I mean, even like it, depending on how young they are, even like PG thirteen stuff is. Yeah, uh, yeah, there can be some pretty scary stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to, you know, have kids watching Indiana Jones eat the monkey brains. Yeah, exactly. Well, especially when I'm babysitting, which right. is like, <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> just don't screw this one up. How was guy? It was great. He made me watch a man eat a monkey's brain, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're in trouble. You're like it's Indiana Jones. Um, yeah, so that needs to change at some point because that would that affects a lot of stuff, right? Because if you can change users, then um, suggestions can change, right? Uh, like basically system wide, you can do, start doing more interesting stuff. Like the apps on the home screen can change. Yeah, totally. Like, like you don't necessarily want Minecraft or whatever. I can't even think of anything, but. Like a pile of stuff that Jonas wants, you don't necessarily want, right? So. Right. I think you know, in the long run, most, almost all, of the, any and all games that we end up with this thing are going to be for Jonas, not for me. I mean, so yeah. it, in some, I mean, sense, he doesn't want to see your like Wall Street Journal video thing, you know, right. like like the All Things D conference. He's not necessarily going to be tuning into that all the time. So. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know why I, I'll. Oh, you know, it's just me and you, so I'll brag. But I was happy when when I installed Cannabalt, and I got Cannabalt from the list of, um, I guess they've made it, what are they calling it, a universal, it's not a universal binary, but like a universal download. So like if you already own it, you can just yeah. download it for free. So it was like, here's all the apps I've already purchased that have Apple TV apps today. And I went to Cannabalt, and the app description for Cannabalt starts with a quote from me about how nice a game it is which is really and i look at jonas and i was like yeah and jonas he just looked at me and he was like doesn't even mention you by name it just says daring fireball (laughs) (laughs) i was like i was trying to impress you he was like well that's not he's got a he's got a good head on his shoulders though like (laughs) i know you're trying i know you're proud and that's awesome but it's good that he's not like no he is not wild at all he is not impressed (laughs) I thought it was pretty cool, though. But yeah, I also think it's cool because I am obviously not very well known for my game reviews. <laughs> I don't play many games, and so I think it, it, it. That's what made it so surprising to me is there's. I think if you added up all of the games I've even mentioned in, uh, what thirteen years of writing Daring Fireball, it's you could probably you probably still might have some fingers to spare. Certainly wouldn't use up all your fingers and toes. It's got to be less than twenty. Yeah. Yeah, you don't talk about games much at all. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. So Cannonball's cool. Uh, Adam put in quite a bit of work to get that working. Uh, not quite a bit of work. He spent like a week to get it working, but he had to do this uh, UI focus thing. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's actually, there is sort of, because it's, it's become a bigger game in some ways than it used to be. Like there's some kind of, I haven't played in a long time. Maybe the iPhone game has it too, but like yeah. at the beginning there, you can select like, a level or something i didn't yeah, even know like i only played the default again but uh it was excellent so he did have to do work you know him yeah yeah oh i didn't know that yeah, i've worked with him before yeah it translates very well and it's you know uh, it does yeah it's, it's great um alto's adventure is good you know try out that one 
right. I didn't, I haven't heard it's, this. I've never heard of this game. It's a snowboarding one. It's again, similar kind of idea in that it's a, like an infinite runner is, if you're on a snowboard. Is this the one that Syracuse is always uh, talking about on ATP? I don't know. I think it is. And, and he talks about it in a way where I can just, I can hear him sighing at my ignorance of Alto's adventure. <laughs> and I can hear him calling me an old man right now. Could be desert golfing too. I know they talk about that. Oh, I know desert golfing. Son of a bitch, that game is addictive. Yeah. I don't think that one would work on the TV though, would it? I guess I it know. could. I don't know. Guess what? I haven't tried it. Yeah. <laughs> um, interestingly, uh, our pal Matt Comey and, and, and Nevin have got uh, Space Age. I saw that. It was in my. I did. It's that's one of the ones that I'm, I definitely know of. Uh, and it was in my list of, um, Hey, you've already owned, you already own this thing. Yeah. So I tried it for about two minutes last night. It was getting late by the time, like it was way too late. It wasn't making any sense. Um, but it's interesting in that they do with the tap, the, the trackpad, what you're suggesting and in that there is, there's a cursor on the screen hmm. that you move using and then you click because it's. Space Age works more like a standard, uh, like an RTS game, right? Like right. You've got units that you select and move them around. Right. So they've had to make affordances to get that on the TV. So you can scroll the view by holding down the play pause button, and then the tap, the, the trackpad will move the window around. Huh. And then if you're just not holding down the play pause button, then you're moving the effectively the mouse cursor around. Hmm. Do they have like a little uh, first run tutorial where they tell you yeah. what to do? Yeah, they do. No, that makes sense. And I think for games, you know, I, there's nothing wrong with a cursor, you know, and I think for certain games, obviously, you know, like for some of the strategy type games like that, where it makes all the sense in the world. Um, uh, what else was an interesting game? I, I was thinking about something else. I don't forget it. <laughs> but so it's, there's, I, I guess one thing I'm surprised, there are a lot, there's a lot of games available already day one. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty impressive. And I think it's surprising how much some of them, this is where I was going, is I'm surprised at how many of them that were designed for a touchscreen device like iPhone or iPad actually seem to translate pretty well to the trackpad device. Yeah, seems that way so far. Again, I've spent like a day with it, so it's kind of hard to tell. But uh, I mean, so like an infinite runner is a little bit easy, right? Because... Yeah, hit, like a jump button. So, problem solved. Right. Uh, but yeah, like a lot of the games seem that seem that they came over pretty pretty well. Um, I do have a like my working theory is that like games will. Uh, it's like water. Like they will take the form of whatever the platform best supports. So I think we'll start seeing some pretty interesting games in a while. Uh. But they will be tailored to this trackpad and the the motion controller and the the interaction that the TV has. Yeah. Rather than being a port from something else, you know. Yeah, one of the games we got. I don't know if it, it must be a port. I think because anything that's out already had to have been a port. But we had this game called Man Manticore. M A N T I C O R E. It's a three D space shooter. You're this like the last surviving pilot of the you know, the good guys and you're flying a spaceship in outer space and, you know, killing bad guys. Um, graphically seems pretty good. Jonas gave it a thumbs up. Um, 
you know, but this is more of a serious game. This is like mm-hmm. a game game, uh, real 3D. And the controls, I had to let Jonas play because I was so bad. It was, <laughs> it was like, here, <laughs> you play, you play, and I'll watch. But the controls are accelerometer based. And so you steer the ship in 3D by the motion of the device. And Jonas got the hang of it pretty quickly. He was doing pretty good. He had, or at least he clearly had control over the ship. And then you flick up to do like a speed boost and you flick down on the trackpad to slow. Uh, And it shoots automatically. So you don't have to fire it trigger Mm. if if there's bad guys in the sights of your gun it just fires uh which is to me all told for you know to me what is a complicated idea a 3d space shooter uh a pretty good simplification for a simple remote yeah accelerometer to move uh flick up for fast down for slow and you don't have to worry about a trigger it just shoots yeah it seems to make sense i'm going to check that one out tonight yeah, and it's uh, cool to you know, it's, it, uh, just a cool little thing to me is that, and it's you know, I know it's it's not the only game, but it's obviously a trend. Um, the the protagonist is a woman. Oh, cool! It's you know, and it doesn't seem you know they don't really make a big deal out of it. It's just you know that this the woman. It's you're the woman who's the last star pilot of whatever the good guys are called. Yeah, that's good, awesome. I mean, it's arbitrary anyway, so yeah. Why not? You know what I mean? Like, right? You, like, whatever. It's not, it doesn't sound like there's enough story there that yeah. uh, any kind of gender is going to make any kind of difference. So, uh, me having said that, just that that last oh, oh, the last forty what? seconds of the show, I'm I'm not part of Gamergate now, am I? <laughs> uh, don't get me started on Gamergate. <laughs> am I? I don't know. I just I don't understand it. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't just, I just worry that it's like somebody says something like that, like, hey, that's pretty cool that the cool pilot is a woman, and then all of a sudden you're 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 part of a controversy that shouldn't be controversial. Anyway, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, Adam went back and added uh, a female runner to Kambald. Oh yeah, I saw that. We got that and you you just get it randomly. Yeah. Yeah, I got the, yeah, we got that. Yep. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, and it, just like a ninja too. Yeah, he had a few of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah and very nice, very very nice touch. Yeah. Uh, we got the uh, beat sports game, which is pretty mm. fun. Um, I guess my biggest complaint about it is that it's I don't it's so derivative of Wii Sports in ways in certain ways that I feel like uh, okay, the basic concept of you having an accelerometer type control in your hand that you actually swing to make the the player on screen swing at a ball. Okay. That's obviously that's the same idea, but I feel like, you know, you're allowed to do that without being called a ripoff, but they do little things that to me are like, it's like the crowd noise and the way that the levels start. It, it really feels like a little too close to we and style, not, you know, like the basic idea of the concept. Okay. Of course there's going to be, the comparisons are inevitable. Um, but some of the details, some of the sound effects are so Nintendo-like, it just seems a little, mm, makes me mm. kind of grit my teeth. Yeah. Yeah, it's one thing to do something in the spirit of another game. It's another thing to kind of just rip it off, right? Right. And even the name, when you say it out loud, Beat Sports, yeah. sounds so much like Wii Sports that it's, uh, I don't know. Yeah. But it's a cool game, I have to say. Yeah. I mean, just, yeah, just based on the name and the thing, you you know what the pitch was and the 
in the room, right? <laughs> it's the pitch was Wii Sports without any uh, Nintendo intellectual property. Yeah. So. Yeah. But that's another one too, and it popped into my head here. I have it written down, but it popped into my head because it's uh, uh, what do they call it? It's like instead of a Wii, it's a your beat or something. But anyway, it, if your avatar. And it's, you know, a total range of skin tones and gender and outfits and, you know, another thing that to me that's the way games ought to be. That's cool. Yeah, it's good to think so. Yeah. And your default, though, the default character is a girl. Oh, If you nice. don't, if just like out of the box, it's like she's, I don't know what her name is, but she must probably has some kind of name. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's like their Mario, I guess. Except that's cool. Uh, I mean, yeah. The problem yeah, with whatever. that game, I'll just say, the problem with the Beat Sports is uh, that you can only have one a- Apple TV remote or Siri remote, I guess they call it. Right. So for one player, you know, it doesn't matter. But when you play two player, um, the way that you play two player is you have to download their free app for the phone, and when you play two player, it no longer becomes accelerometer based. It it's all swipe based. Huh. So one you, one person plays on their phone, the other person plays on the remote. Because I was wondering about it. I was like, I don't know, accelerometer with the iPhones seems like a disastrous idea. idea. Like as much as they're worried, and Nintendo, you know, remember Nintendo had to send out those uh, uh, bracelets that you connect to the Wiimote. Yeah. No, Wiimote um, in the TV. Apple has one too. Apple has one for the. It doesn't come with it. You have to you have to pay extra for it, but you can get a uh, bracelet with it. And then I've it, seen that. It, it connects to the lightning port and has like a little lock. So you have to squeeze it to get it out. Hmm. That's cool. Well, it just seemed, but it seemed to me like a terrible idea to be swinging your iPhone around like a paddle. And in fact, uh, yeah. they don't yeah. let you do that. They, it's all swipe based. But in other words, but then unlike Wii Sports, you're playing like a totally different game. It feels like when you're playing two player instead of one player. That's weird. I'm going to have to give that a try because I mean, changing the game mechanic weird like those are just different games yeah it's very different but you know like you said it's just you so <laughs> you don't have to worry about it it's just one player mode the other thing and jonas picked up on this it, it, this is it's been a lot of fun for me as a dad because jonas is you know really really into video games video games are his thing um and so it was really it's been really fun for me playing with apple tv with him and playing with the games because uh he's better at not just better at playing games but he's a more astute observer of the cleverness that's going on mm-hmm. he picked up on the, what beat sports is so the, the the thing about beat sports that is completely original and that's it, it, and i think that's how they justify the name beat sports is that it's music based christina mm-hmm. warren wrote about it too in her review of it and she called it like a, a mashup of Wii sports and uh guitar hero mm-hmm. so it's the yeah. timing and the timing is tied to the music of the game and so the moment when you're supposed to, like if you're playing their, their version of tennis, the moment you're supposed to hit the ball coincides to uh, like a, a, a moment in the music where there's going to be like a sound. The sound that it makes as you hit the ball is part of the music. Right. And so that's how you get your timing down. Your timing isn't so much about what you see. Your timing is m- more like what you hear. Yeah, those like, can- I love those kind of games. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far as to say you could play with your eyes closed, but it's the same way though that you definitely can't play with the sound off. Like if you turn the sound off, right. you're not gonna, yeah. you're not gonna get it. It's not your timing is never gonna be right, which yeah. is pretty interesting. 
Yeah, there there's been a few cool games like that. Uh Res comes to mind from like twenty years ago. But yeah, it's like you if you're getting in the groove of the music, you start doing way better. Um uh John August actually had uh worked on uh the new Karatika for iOS. It is also musically rhythm based as you fight. Uh John August of uh screen screenwriting fame. S- screenwriting fame, yeah. And, uh, With uh, Jordan Mechner, who wrote the original Karateka. Right, which was awesome. And, yeah, and uh, Adam Lissagor did the ad. Yeah, it was terrific. He's got a great podcast, too. Uh, Script Notes? Script Notes. Is, I uh, can't say enough good things about it. Yeah. yeah I love it. You know, it's uh, funny, because when Marco was on the other week, and we talked about Hello Internet and what a great podcast it was, it seemed, I just, I, I, I don't know, like, maybe I should do more recommendations like that. I don't listen to a ton of podcasts. Um, but I got so much email from people who are like, wow, I never heard of this. Hello internet. I, no offense to you. This might be my new favorite podcast. And it's like, uh, oh, you know, cool. no offense taken. It's a great podcast. They're really cool. Yeah. Uh, if you want another one, script notes, look it up. Yeah. But with John August talking about the, you know, the screenwriting process, which is fascinating by itself. But if you're in a creative yeah, that's line exactly of work, it. it's good anyway. Like even if you're not in the movie business, even if you're not a writer, it's fascinating if you're just into create. If there's any kind of creativity in in your work, it's if it, it it's applicable and great, great podcast. Yeah. All right. He's he co-hosted with uh, Craig Mason. I will. Fr- I I promise to forget to put it in the show notes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so script notes. Do you have anything else like specific? Is uh, I'm trying to think. I I you know I guess the, the thing that I've kind of I, the review unit that I have now is I, I ordered mine, but since I knew I was getting one from Apple Thursday, I didn't pay the extra seventeen dollars for the to get another one delivered today because that seemed mm-hmm. pointless. So the one I ordered, I guess, won't come until next week sometime. And I guess what I'm regretting is that I didn't order the game controller. There was this one game controller that Apple was, I guess, sort of suggesting that you buy. I forget what it was called. Oh, that's interesting. That and Jonas, it, it, this is the thing talking with Jonas about it is, you know, do are we going to want a game controller for this or not? Because we have a PS4, so for anything, the games like Destiny and and when Star Wars Battlefront comes out, uh, it, it you know, it, I don't, it, it's going to play games like that on the PS4. And so, right. do we, you know, the the question of whether we or we in particular, the Gruber household, want a game controller or more than one game controller. And whether lots of people are going to want a game controller, I don't know. Because it seems to me like most of the games I've tried so far really seem meant for the Apple TV remote. So there was a bit of a kerfuffle about that because originally they released the uh, the TV design doc saying that you could use third-party game controllers. Then they changed it to say that your game must support the Apple remote. Right. So, in other words, what they what they took out was it, uh, there was it definitely said it, and they they changed it like yeah. 180 degrees. Where it, yeah. I, I think what you're trying to say is it it did say you can make a game that has to have a game controller, right? And maybe I guess it would be like there it, it there'd be a warning in the store. I, I, I actually I guess your Apple TV could know whether you have a, a controller paired or not, and it could just say, hey, this game requires a controller, and you don't even have one paired with the game yet. Are you sure you want yeah. to buy this? Um, and then, like, a day later, <laughs> the language changed to the exact opposite and said, oh, you, yeah. Your, and it your game must be fully playable with the, the default remote. Yeah, which 
just destroys so many classes of games. Like, yeah. Oops. Oh, well. Uh, I still think you'll get a lot of cool games based on the remote, but until they fix that um, game controller issue, I, I think you're going to be stymied. Yeah. Like, you may have a chicken and egg. Like, what you're saying is, like, I think if Jonas did see a lot of cool games that needed the controller, you'd be like, well, fine, let's get a controller. But I think it'll chicken and egg it in a weird way that nobody will make them because they can't. Right. So. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I just wonder, I, I don't know. Do you have one? A controller? No. Yeah. I don't even no, understand. I'll probably what... buy one. I might buy one. I'm trying to see where the hell. It's now that they don't have the Apple Store anymore, I don't even know where you go to find it. I just remember that when I went to buy it, it had like an option. Here, I'll just buy a new one. <laughs> you know what I did find a bit confusing is it's hard to tell when you're in the iTunes store or when you're just looking at like a show that you own. Right. Here, the the Steel Series Nimbus wireless game controller is the one that Apple has as like a suggested uh add-on. Where was that? Was uh, from here? Is that Logitech? I don't know. It's weird. It's it doesn't seem Steel Series. You know, it'd be great if they could just support Xbox and PS4 controllers. That's what I was wondering like about. Out of the box, like it'll just detect them and. Yeah, it yeah. seems, and it seems like if they just supported those out of the box, they it would solve a lot of the problem of you know X oh, yeah. X Y and Z that they can you know they're known commodities. Um. Yeah, Steel Series. Uh, well, I don't even know how you know which ones work with it, but Apple had one that they were selling, and it was like fifty bucks. Well, I mean, check it out after some more software comes yeah. out, I guess. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like that this is one of the things that one day in it's too early to tell whether everybody oh, wants yeah. to get one or not. Yeah. I don't know what made me get cheap and not get one. I, 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 it doesn't sound like you're, it does. Not, your, not your usual play, <laughs> right? Like as I stare around the office here, my my office, and it's just filled with things that I've spent fifty dollars on on the on the notion of well, why the hell not? <laughs> and yet somehow, in this one particular instance, I didn't do it, and now I regret it. Did you get the sixty-four mag one or the? Oh, uh, I got the big one? one. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't. Oh, now you know what? I still am not entirely clear on what the benefit is. I just feel like for 50 bucks, I might as well, I, I don't want to run out of space. Yeah, but they're selling them as two different units, right? So that's, yeah. is that so that like the lesser one well, leads you to buy the bigger one? Is that it? Like I, they didn't want to come out with a $200 thing. So they, I guess I, I do wonder though, why not just, why not just have one? I yeah. guess that the margins are better enough. I we talk about this with everything. We talk obviously it's endlessly over the last year or two about these 16 gigabyte iPhones and you know how much does it cost Apple to get the 32 instead of 16? What are their co they're they're you know I mean most people seem to think it only costs like a buck or two bucks or something at at their scale to to do it. Like it's you know the fifty dollar difference between these two Apple TVs. It can't possibly be anywhere even close to fifty dollars in difference for the memory. I just, I, I mean, I say that without actually knowing, but it just seems almost impossible. 
50 bucks for any one component seems way or, not likely. Right, <laughs> or even give them you know, their usual 30 or 40% profit margins and so assume that the cost is $35 or something. It just doesn't seem right. Not when you can go and buy 32 gigs of really good flash memory from Amazon just as a card and it you know, doesn't cost that much. So I don't, I don't yeah. know, and it just seems like it would be so much simpler. It it would take out this whole decision, and and the fact that there are people writing articles, which which size Apple TV should you get, that that shouldn't even be, it shouldn't even be an issue. Yeah, I I agree. I don't know. I just looked at it. I just pretend as though there there's one new Apple TV, and it costs two hundred dollars, and it has sixty four gigs of RAM. Yeah, I'm curious to know which one is their primary. Uh, not that they don't love all their kids equally, but you know what I mean? Like, did they set out to make the 32 gigabyte one and then throw in extra extra memory? I guess. Or maybe they... Um, maybe it was like they really wanted to hit $150. And Could whatever the difference in the component cost is, at $150, the 64 gig just doesn't make Tim Cook happy, you know, financially. Mm-hmm. And so they did it. I don't know, but it seems, it just seems like it could have been an easier win. Yeah. And I kind of, I do kind of understand why they still sell the old Apple TV um, for 69 bucks. But I, you know, because there might be, you know, I know that there are people, you know, like institutions like schools and stuff like that that use Apple TV just as like a brain dead thing to do airplay to. So, you know, you don't want, you may not want to spend an extra hundred bucks to get a, awesome new computer that does all these things. Cause all you're doing is using it as like an airplay terminal. Um, and the difference is so uh, it's massive, right? The difference between the old third gen Apple TV and this new one is obvious to anybody who might have any interest in buying one instantly. Oh, yeah. Whereas the difference between a 32 and 64 gig version of the same thing is not so obvious. Yeah. Uh, I'm also curious, I'm curious to see how it'll work. Maybe because one thing that's definitely true, and maybe that's the limit. You might know this, that, that you, your initial download, I think has to be under 200 gigs or 200 megs. It's 200 meg. uh, And you get up to two gigs with, um, what they call on demand resources. App slices, right? Or, Uh, well, so app slicing is something different. App slicing will get you, app slicing means that you're not going to be downloading assets for your iPhone onto your TV. Right. Basically. Um, on-demand resources means that, uh, let's say in a game you can tag levels and right. it'll only download the, the resources for that level. Or you've got four levels on Hoth, so all of the ice textures come down. Right. And then three levels on Tatooine, so you can get rid of the ice textures and load the sand textures, you know? So uh, you have up to two gigs of, of those available for your app. Yeah, and I definitely, it's, you know, obviously they're enforcing it. I mean, I guess if you submit a binary that's over 200 megs, you probably don't, it probably doesn't even go through. But oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, they've been good about that since day one of the App Store where you couldn't, like, yeah. like I, they wouldn't let you download stuff over cell that was over, I think, 10 yeah. megs originally, something like that. Yeah, I just sent you a link to something about that Manticore game I was talking about. You don't have to click it now. For all I know, it's going to start some kind of autoplay video but there we go um oh it looks nice yeah and if you go to apple tv or apple.com slash tv and then go to games and more that's you know it's like the 
games and more section of the Apple TV site. They have a big picture of SteelSeries Nimbus wireless controller. I mean, it's not, you know, obviously they're not putting one in the box. You're not giving you one, but they're also not shying away from showing it off. I, I feel like this is the one thing that I just do not see how this is going to play out. Either game controllers are going to be a big deal for Apple TV or they're going to be non-existent. I don't know. I think they probably just didn't get their act together yet on it. Yeah. I wish I, I, I do think that the language that they originally had, that they want to allow you to have a game controller, is what they wanted. Right. And then somebody panicked and was like, well, how can we do this? Like, we can't get the store to check for the presence of a controller. We're going to get a bunch of people getting mad at us. Yeah. You know, like, and they did. Or maybe just sort of the product marketing thing that they don't want to make it seem as though they're, you need this thing that they're not even giving you. Yeah, sure. Even that, yeah. Something changed at the last minute, and yeah. uh, as progressive as as Apple is in a lot of ways, uh, in some ways they can be a pretty conservative company. Yeah, in, you know, in terms of promising something like that or distracting you with a message like that, they they don't want to do it. Right. Yeah. Um. So I guess the thing would be like, okay, take the lumps from the developers for changing the thing at the last minute. Yeah. But uh, at least we're not like holding a time bomb here. Yeah. Uh, I have one more sponsor to thank uh, now that we're near the end of the show, and I want to do this right now, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Um, it's our good friends at Harry's. You guys know Harry's. Harry's makes awesome uh, shaving products. They make razors. They make the blades. They make uh, uh, shaving lotion that you can use after shave. Anything, anything related to shaving, Harry's does it. Um, they do it and they have great prices. I mean, you can compare their prices to Amazon's for like Gillette blades and it really is half the price. And the way that they can do it is it's like as direct as it can get. They make their own blades in their own factory over in Germany. Uh, like they bought an old, like hundred year old blade factory. They make their own, they sell them right to you. There's no middlemen involved. Uh, and right now they want me uh, to tell you that they are, uh, an official partner of the Movember Foundation. Movember is a thing where uh, it's like a charity thing to remind people and raise funds for men's health. Uh, you know, I guess types of cancer and disease that affect men. And so uh, it's the Movember is for the month of November and uh, guys grow mustaches to raise awareness for men's health issues. So uh, it makes sense for Harry's to, to partner with that. Uh, uh, really cool stuff. They have got stuff at their website. You can check out more about that. Um, so I really do recommend you check out their site. Check out the stuff about Movember, and it you know everybody wants to to cure these diseases. So they're going to give one percent of their sales and one percent of their time uh, back to Movember for the whole month. So if you've been putting it off, if you want to, and this is another one of those things that is a terrific, terrific gift. So if you you know your father, your son, any of the men in your life. Uh, you want to buy shaving stuff to get them gifts for Christmas, go do it now. Do it in the month of November, Movember, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and some of the money is going to go to a really good cause in addition to the fact that you're going to get a super great quality product. Uh, go to – here's where you go to do this. Go to harrys.com. Just spell it the way you think it's spelled. Uh, and enter the code the talk show. Uh, that'll let them know you came from this show. It'll also save five bucks off your first order. Uh, they've just crossed their million customer uh, 
mark. So that's amazing. There's already a million people who have tried Harry's, uh, and I'll bet most of them have stuck with it because it's really a great way to do it. It's just a high-quality product at half the price, and you don't have to leave your house. <laughs> Can't beat it. So my thanks to Harry's. Go there, check it out. Remember, the code there is the talk show, and you can get their starter kit for just ten bucks with that code. Ten bucks, and you get everything you need: uh, three blades, your choice of shaving cream or shave gel, and uh, uh, razor handle right to your door. Shipping is free, by the way. So my thanks to Harry's. Uh, anything else? Any other apps that you've seen? How about our friend uh, James Thompson has built the first calculator? I think he, the slogan is the best calculator for your TV. <laughs> True, right? <laughs> and you know James. James is a great guy. Yeah. Uh, it's been long-term, as long-term as just about anybody could be. I mean, he's been writing. I think PCALC started like in the mid-90s, maybe even the early yeah. 90s yeah, for the Mac. Drag thing, PCALC. It has been around forever. I yeah. love that PCALC is there on day one on the Apple TV app store. Like yeah, he, he kills it with that. He he was on the watch day one too. <laughs> Just yeah. ways that I would have never foreseen the indie developed community evolving is like the idea that twenty years ago that James Thompson, James Thompson would be writing for the TV. <laughs> this was the first third party one I fired up too. I got a test flight for it, and I was like, let's let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Do I foresee the need to do math? on my television no but of course i bought it and i'm glad it's there and it's actually really well done of course it's he did a great job i told him like man i can't believe you got all those features in and he's like uh oh, it, was, it was a rough first start like it's a rough stab at it but it's like are you kidding like that is that is the world's most advanced television computer all right, we were talking uh, when, calculator. when we were when we were talking about typing, and you said that you can long press on a lowercase letter to have it pop up and be uppercase temporarily, yeah. and that you could guess that. So I made a guess with pcalc that you could use the play button to be the equals key. Worked. Oh, of course, he thought of that. Of course, it works. Of I course, it that. works. That's awesome. Super yeah. smart. What else What's is he charging there? for it? Because he was debating on Twitter. Uh, it was a buck ninety nine. Ah, okay. What do you think it should cost? I told him nine ninety nine ninety nine. <laughs> Wait, nine hundred ninety nine dollars? Yeah, just go for it. Just like I am rich, it just why not? Um, but no, that buck ninety nine is good. Oh, I would. I I just want a higher price to ask, basically, just because it's easier. I mean, not easier, but it's all right. It takes a lot of work to put these in. I don't know how many people are going to be buying apps, so. Yeah, I'm curious to see. That's a big question. And, uh, you know, because TV, you know, game consoles have, you know, really, it's one of the most well-monetized, maybe the best monetized form of media. Whether it's going to stay, who knows. But flagship games cost 50 or 60 bucks. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's pretty standard. And that's that's the most expensive media that most people buy. Right, books don't cost yeah. sixty bucks. Movies, you never, you know, movies are fifteen bucks or twenty at the most. Yeah, games are the only thing that is monetized at levels of like fifty or sixty bucks. Yeah, is that going to translate to Apple TV? I don't know about fifty or sixty. It seems like a lot of them are around ten though. Beat yeah. Sports is ten, and also has that's good. It, that's what uh, that's what they started that on iOS too, though. Right, I remember. That's exactly what I thought. Is I remember when a lot of there were a lot of apps. That were nine ninety nine on iOS. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, 
I'm super excited about this platform, more so than I was for the watch. Uh, now, that could just be a sign that I, I'm not, uh, I don't have the imagination enough to figure out what I want to do with the watch. But as soon as they announced this TV, I, I, I had like eight different ideas that I wanted to write for it. Um, do you do you share that? Like, I, I, I do, it, too. I, yeah. I, you know, I, I've never been super excited about the watch. I've been intrigued. And I still, you know, I do wear mine, but I don't wear it every day. Uh, and, you know, and I, I foresee a, a bright future for it. But I just don't think that Apple Watch was ever, like, I was ever really squarely in the market for it. Like, mm-hmm. it's just not the sort of thing that speaks to me overall. Um, yeah. Fitness, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, I, you know, ultimately... Like once I stop wearing it every day, like, and there is this weird motivating thing where you want to keep filling these circles every day and you get the street going and you keep going and I'm sure people are more fit. But then once you stop wearing it every day and so you're, because you didn't wear it every day, you're definitely by definition have days where you don't fill the circles. It just ruins, it just means you don't care anymore. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It just doesn't excite me that much. I don't, I, I, a bigger screen to me is more exciting. So yeah, I'm super excited about this because it is, it's like a little iOS computer hooked up to a giant shared experience. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff you could do with this. Yeah, and I'm really interested to see, like with the iPhone, and to me it's the most exciting since the iPhone, because with the iPhone, starting in 2008, the next year when the App Store opened, and all of a sudden anybody could write apps. You got apps that Apple never would have thought of. Mm-hmm. And exactly. and it took the platform in ways that nobody could have foreseen, and I I think that's got to be inevitable with Apple TV, and that you know that and yes I know that there's ways that you can develop you know and you can uh, there's there's other devices that you can hook up to a TV you can have it just have a gaming PC hooked up to the TV and you know it's even easier or or more open than an app store because anybody can you know. You don't even need an app store to get apps running on a thing. But people don't do it. And so it's not a big enough audience to make it worthwhile. Like, I've never really heard of an app that somebody made. The only thing I've ever heard that's worthwhile with a gaming PC hooked up to a TV is playing games, PC games. I've never heard of anybody who did something truly original. Whereas I feel like with Apple TV, now there's this this platform where there's going to be millions of people who have them and who already know what apps are and already have an app store account. And I'm really curious to see what people do with it. Yeah, me too. Uh, Storehouse, we didn't mention. Oh yeah, I have that, and I. Uh, that looks great. Yeah. Yeah. So Storehouse, uh, it, to me, it's it's. It, it, I didn't spend a lot of time with it, but it really it like breathes on TV in a way that I. It, it, it example. It, it's a great example of what makes Storehouse Storehouse. Storehouse mm-hmm. is you 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 upload images and movies. And you can add text too, and make like an article. But it's not really like you're formatting a document. It's more like a way to build like a, f- an, a photo and video based slideshow. Sort of. It's hard to yeah, describe. It's but, a story. It's a yeah, but visual storytelling medium, basically. Uh, but I feel like on Apple TV, it really it, it it's sort of more like. Okay, so you're not making a video. It's not like you're just making one video that plays, but it is sort of a way to turn your TV into like a. It's like a presentation, right? And you know, if the pictures are good and the video is high quality, it's really, really gorgeous. 
Yeah, and storehouse is popular with a lot of professional photographers too. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that's another one. If you're out there, if you're just jotting down a list of apps to try on your new Apple TV as you listen to it, definitely try out Storehouse. Don't miss it. And it's it's a really great example to me. I'm so glad you mentioned it. It's it's somewhere written here in my notes for the show, but um I'm glad you mentioned it because to me, it just sort of exemplifies the way that Apple TV is more than just a video box. It's, it is, it is something different and new and more interactive and it isn't just about video that you hit play and pause. It's, it can be something else. Yeah. And I'm really excited to see what that something else is. Yeah. Uh, man, you could put these in stores, I guess, uh, you know, like when you've got like a little sign and you've you're saying what the what the uh, uh, like a kiosk kind of situation. Mm-hmm. This is awesome for that. Yeah, there's so many different ways to use this little computer that it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, I, it's cheap too. It's like the cheapest iOS device. Yeah, it totally is. I don't know. I so wrapping up, looking at my notes. Here's the other thing. So I asked Jonas what he thought of the graphics, and we didn't look at all the games. I mean. I, but we looked at enough. Jonas's estimation was that it, to me, to him, it looked it's clearly not as good as PS4, but he thought it was better than PS3. So he pegged it. He pegged the graphic fidelity of the games as in between PS4 and PS3. But that, that seems. Oh, I've, that's why I wanted to ask you because that's just Jonas eyeballing it, right, and looking at frame rates and you know how much texture and how how rich it is. What do you think about that as being someone who's sort of actually, you know, like... I, I think that that's probably a fair estimation. I'd say that they're about equal with the previous generation of uh, right. uh, consoles. Now, I can't remember all of the exact specs, so this, I don't know, maybe they get outperformed in some way. But, I mean, what you see on the screen is what counts, right? So right. if he feels good about it, he feels good about it. Yeah. More interesting, uh, next year, this is going to get faster. There's going to be a better one. Right. And the year after that, there's going to be an even better one. And the year after that, uh, things are going to start looking bad for consoles. Yeah. Do you think... Because they have like a five to seven year life cycle. Do you think that they will, at this point, Apple TV gets on the annual upgrade cycle? I'd probably guess every two years, if I had to guess. I I do wonder. It's almost because it's it's like, and right now it's on the A8 or A8X but it's definitely the eight, you know, so it's, it's last year's top of the line Apple system on a chip. It seems as though one year later they can make those chips. Like they're just like cooking popcorn. I mean, they just, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised that they just pop in a year old, a series system on a chip every year. And that it's not, it's almost, it's so little work for Apple that it, it would be foolish not to. Maybe. I mean, that it, to me, it would only just come down to and like, what, what's the disposition of the team and where are they, what are they right. spending their time on? You know? Right. So. I might be, you know, I might be overlooking the, the financial gains to be had by selling it for two years. You know, like however profitable yeah. this thing is at 149 right now, a year from now, the exact same device with a two year old A8 is even more. But I don't know because I just feel like the, the nerd in me, just screams for I want the A9 that's in my iPhone 6s. I want it on my Apple TV next year. Yeah, I think it's a gimme. I mean, not necessarily next year, but I mean, obviously, right. it's. I mean, once we've got this baseline architecture now, 
they can start iterating it pretty quickly. How quickly they iterate it is, I think, going to depend on business stuff. Because they may also not want to um, have a new TV every year. You know what I mean? Like, it starts to become negative implications of, like, right. hey, every year I've got to go out and buy out all my new Apple kit again. Like, right. It, you know, the, the, the iPad, I think, they kind of got trapped into doing it yearly when I think that they could have maybe stretched that out a little bit. Yeah, and they kind of, well... They don't, they haven't really, but they've done it sometimes. Like, for example, they didn't come out with a new iPad Air 2 this year. Right. Um, Whether that's just because they're going to wait till early next year or whether we have to wait a full year remains to be seen. And I've heard both ways. You know, maybe there will be an iPad Air 3 early next year, uh, like on the old iPad schedule with a keyboard case, sort of like the iPad Pro. Uh, I don't know, maybe not. But anyway, it's, you know, clearly a little different there. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. But on the other hand, it would emphasize the differences that Apple has versus the traditional consoles. And I know they're not going head-to-head against PS4 and Xbox and people who are really serious about games. Like, as intrigued as Jonas is by the new Apple TV, and he's I think he's downstairs playing games on it right now, if I told him we're getting rid of our PS4, he'd, you know... Mm-hmm. He'd yeah, call a lawyer. He's on you. Yeah. <laughs> call a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. I need to get a divorce from my dad. Ouch. Like, that um, would not fly. Yeah. But, you know, I, I have a, a lot of excitement for, for the platform and where yeah. it's going to end up going. Because this is a super capable little computer. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, too, you alluded to this a couple minutes ago, where if you project forward three or four years, they are going to surpass. They're going to make a little Apple TV puck that is more powerful than a Sony PlayStation, you know, whether it's still the PS, you know, they're going to catch the the consoles. They're going to catch up. Have you seen the graph of, like, I mean, I know yeah. you have, but, like, the performance graph is bananas. Like, they're right. going to catch them pretty soon. Right. And, so that's bad news for the console guys. Right. And e- there's only one step forward on pixels, and that's going to 4K. Um, yeah. And after that, the pixels don't change. And so the graphics capabilities that they can do every year after year, they don't have to worry about driving bigger displays. It's, you know, it's, yeah. it's all it's just raw speed. It's just yeah. raw speed. Uh, I guess that's the last thing. If there's anything else, is do, do you think it's a mistake that this, this Apple TV doesn't support 4K? No. I don't I think, think 4K so is a gimmick. I think at this point it is. Uh, Sorry, yeah. Unpack that. I mean, no, it's not a gimmick, obviously. But right now, I think it's. Uh, I think it's one of those high-end features that like some people want and clamor for and say that they demand, but the actual market doesn't doesn't require it yet. Yeah, too too few actual 4K TVs in use. Way too little video that's encoded in 4K out there. Um, obviously it's going to happen eventually, you know, at some point between now and 10 years from now, we're all going to have 4k TVs and everything we stream will be 4k, but I don't think there's any reason for it now. My only thought though, is that it, and it, it kind of makes me think that they might be on an annual schedule than a biannual schedule, just because at some point there's going to be one of these that does 4k. But then again, that could Maybe. just be two years from now. Yeah. Right. Right. I don't know. Cause then it would be a big leap. Like, right. Two years worth of uh, development on their chips plus 4K, that would be, that's worth another 150, 200 bucks, right? Right. Uh, and maybe a Taptic Engine remote. 
Yeah. Right. That's my. That's our Apple TV from 2017. Now I'm already. Now I'm already. <laughs> I'm already bored with this Apple TV. Yeah. Terrible. Well. Well, we should say I think it's because we're excited about it. Right. That we're already looking forward to like what the future holds. Yeah. Usually so. I just let these. You know, we we'd go on for another hour, but I actually it, I'm so excited by it. I and I, <laughs> I know that there's people out there laughing at me and you with the, yeah. uh, with our personalities and our voices talking about how excited we are. <laughs> <laughs> because one thing that you and I are very similar with is that when we get excited about something, we don't really, we don't really show excitement in the way that normal human Humans beings do. show excitement. <laughs> you know, unless unless I'm on like a heater at a blackjack table or something, I really don't, I don't get yeah. too exuberant. Yeah. Uh, but I really am. <laughs> it's, it's true. I'm yeah. actually sitting here thinking, I I really want to wrap this up and go downstairs and go back to playing with my Apple TV. Yeah, it's which is actually time. pretty. It's a really cool feeling. Uh, anything else going on, guy? Anything you want to promote before we wrap it up? Uh, well, there's a lot of stuff going on, but I mean, they yeah. talked to other people about that. Like the, the Apple earnings came in. Yeah, bananas. Uh, Chrome and Android are getting merged together. It's kind of interesting. Is that new? I didn't see that. Yeah, as of yesterday, you were too busy playing your Apple TV to figure <laughs> that out. I totally missed it. Yeah, they're getting well, smacked into one thing. But it's whatever. Deal with that some other time. Yeah. Uh, uh, other than that, no. Go buy my app, Napkin, in the Mac App Store. Napkin. That's uh, And what's the domain for that? NAP.KN. Oh, man. That's that's smart. NAP.KN. Great app, Napkin. Um, and your Twitter is at uh, GTE, right? Yeah. yeah. Do you get a lot of spam in your ads just because you have a three-letter code or three letter uh, a fair username. amount but not that not that much yeah it seems like the one people have trouble is people who have like a name like a three letter name like i don't know i don't know who it is but if you had like sam at sam yeah. like you end up with a lot of junk in there but gte yeah. is sort of random that it wouldn't happen by accident not that not as often here yeah. all right well thank you guy i appreciate the time it was no, a lot thank of fun. you it was a blast all right i'm gonna go play with my apple tv